Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the big Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. And here's what we're going to do. It's a little stressful. It's a little weird right now. Bring your stress. If you're confused, if you're worried, if you're stressed, come on, come on. Let put it on us. Let us take some of that. We're going to explain kind of what's going on with Ohio State in the Michigan State game. What's going on with Ohio State in the Michigan game? What's going on with Ohio State in the playoff? But we also have a texture survey that I'm feeling better because the texture survey made me feel better because it's a reminder that Twitter isn't real life because sometimes you're on Twitter and it's just like, ah, ah, ah. and the texters are much more real life than Twitter. So they've chilled me out, and it made me realize that there are Ohio State fans out there who love the Buckeyes through and through, but they're just rolling with the punches. So we're going to roll with the punches. Roll with us. We're going to sprinkle in some random texture questions. Nathan has gathered those up. But we're really going to try to help guide you through the next what the next three weekends might look like for Ohio State football. Thanks for being here. And if you want to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315, and you get to do these great surveys. I, I have a secret poll question that I found the answers very enlightening. And we're going to sort of tease you and save it for the end. This was a, a poll question that I asked today. How will you feel if Ohio State, Michigan isn't played? And the three choices I gave the texters were, it's unfortunate, but this whole season is crazy. It stinks, but I'm more focused on the playoff. Or it's a disaster of historic proportions. This is a game that's been played for like 100 straight years. We'll get to that at the end, and I think you'll find it interesting what your fellow Ohio State fans are thinking about that. But let's set the table. First of all, Nathan Baird, you've been writing about this. You've been talking to people about this today. What is the latest that we know with the state of the game Saturday? Noon on the schedule. Ohio State. At Michigan State, how confident should anybody be right now that that game is going to be played? Ohio State practiced today, second day in a row that they have practiced. Today, um, Wednesday. We have, today, Wednesday, sorry. Um, the, the We have no indications that Ohio State does not expect to play at Michigan State on Saturday. Um, I think, actually, if there were still um, problems that were getting worse, since the incident of, of last week that I don't think they would have resumed practice the way they did. But as you remember, uh, as of Monday, they were back doing full team activities or I'm sorry, small group activities on Monday. And then, and then back to full practice Tuesday, Wednesday, which would have been their days when they started practicing again anyway. So we have no indications on the Ohio state side of things that they don't expect to play. They are being cautious in their messaging 
and and what exactly they're saying. They I think they don't want to get ahead of themselves just from a a PR standpoint and maybe just for the sake of their own players and coaches sanity to like get out and say, we're going full bore. No, 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 no reason for caution. And then have another something come up because it could at any time at no point this season, will it not be a danger that Ohio state's next game is going to be canceled? Sorry. There's nobody. And that's true of every team in the world. So that that's always going to be out there. But as of right now, I would say there's a, it seems like there's a strong likelihood that that game is going to be played. I was looking at hotels in East Lansing today. That's a good sign. Nathan was hotel shopping. That's a good sign. I frankly am a little surprised by that. I think if, you know, you had asked me Monday or Sunday, is Ohio State going to play Michigan State? I probably would have guessed no. Steven, are you a little surprised that here we are? And we waited. We're recording this. We just started at 815 on Wednesday night. We normally like to record during the day, but there's so much news happening that we don't want to record something and then have something happen. And the podcast is old before we even get it to you. So as Nathan said, practice again on Wednesday. Like here we are Wednesday night. Ryan Day had said if they had practiced by Thursday, that would be enough. Steven, are you surprised that this game seems on track or were you sort of optimistic that they'd be okay? No, I didn't think they'd start practicing until Thursday, which is part of the of why he said it, because it's you can get all everything you need to get done to beat Michigan State of all teams in one day of of a real practice, and so I don't know if I'm shocked that they're on schedule to play. I'm shocked that they're getting ready to play this early, and they're already at this point where they're around each other, and it's not just virtual meetings, because you would think it's, they'd want to be more careful just because of what's just happened over the last five days here. It is very difficult, and I have a lot of trouble with this, of the preemptive caution and the, well, go by the testing. If the testing's okay, then get back to it. Because you can like be so preemptively cautious that you never get to practice when you actually could have. On the other hand, I sort of agree with what you're saying, Stephen, that the idea of like, all right, well, Friday afternoon – you had testing that was so problematic, you canceled your game. And now by Tuesday and Wednesday, you're doing some stuff that that kind of seems I don't I mean, it seems fast, like as a layman, as someone who doesn't know all the specific ins and outs. And we just don't know the ins and outs, right? I mean, that's part of it. They are not being very forthcoming with this stuff. They're trying to play. That's their decision. It just makes it more difficult for us to talk about it because they did have a very upfront Zoom call on Saturday with Ryan Day, Gene Smith, and Dr. Jim Borchers. That was very helpful. And we'll get into it later. Michigan, who just canceled their game with Maryland, is not being as upfront and not making as many people available. So credit to Ohio State for what happened on Saturday. We don't have a, a real crystal clear picture of like exactly what's happening and not happening right now. But man, Nathan, I just thought maybe it was like, all right, well, just nothing. Like, okay, you couldn't play Saturday just like nothing on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or whatever, maybe trickle back in Wednesday, see if you can get the Thursday practice in. So in my mind, they're like ahead of schedule. Is that how you're viewing it? They're ahead of schedule of where you would have thought a team that had to cancel a game for COVID would be. 
the one thing that's happened this week that was a real surprise was Monday when they said we're coming, we're doing the um, team activities. That to me was the one thing that I guess I would still say is a real surprise because once they did that, then saying they were practicing on Tuesday wasn't as much of a shock to me. You know, that seemed like more just the natural progression. So really it was coming back as quickly as they did Monday and having in-person things, even if it was in small groups and even though they were doing the meetings virtually, but to still be doing things in, in the small groups in person together and we don't know the exact parameters of that but that was really the first indication to me that they were ahead of schedule and so really then just tuesday wednesday was what they normally would be doing i get it. so i what you take from that is that the testing didn't that they did sunday and into monday didn't show them that it was spreading beyond what they had identified by that point i think that is safe to say i wish they were being more transparent with that but i think that's safe to assume at this point I think you have to take it as a good sign. You're an Ohio State fan listening to us right now. I think you have to take this as a good sign. I think you have to be more optimistic as this podcast gets to you on Thursday morning than you probably expected yourself to be, both about this game Saturday against Michigan State and the season as a whole. I think maybe I can't remember. I can't remember what my podcast life and my normal human life, there is barely any difference anymore. Again, people. I talk about guinea pigs on the podcast. I talk about football at the dinner table. Like it is, we talk, I talk about chain restaurants in any situation, every minute of the day. It's very confusing. So I can't remember if we had this conversation on the podcast or we had this conversation off the podcast. But, so if I'm repeating it, I apologize. You can fast forward. A little bit that it's hard for me to figure out and I don't want to be naive, but I don't want to be overly cynical about this. So my impression at the moment is perhaps Ohio state by canceling the Illinois game before they reached both mandatory thresholds a little preemptively, although they still seem to be practicing after some initial positive test last week, but if they were a little preemptive, not preemptive, but they were cautious, they w- they weren't forced to cancel. They chose to cancel may have paid off in them getting this under control faster than maybe a lot of us would have anticipated. So that might have been good by them that like, Hey, you know, you, everybody else has missed two games. If you don't miss the second game, maybe you really handled this pretty well. The other part of that I don't know is, are they just like pushing through? So like, if you just play, does that mean you're smart and cautious and you caught it and controlled it? Or if you just play, does that mean you're like, well, yeah, we got some positive cases, but we got to play, right? Because if, if some other t- if some team in the SEC or the ACC canceled a game Friday afternoon and was back at practice on Tuesday and playing, I probably would be like, well, they're just pushing through, right? I would not give them credit for catching it early and being smart. I would act like they just were putting blinders on. So I don't know what the right answer is with Ohio State. No, that's fair. But because mm. with Ohio State, I think they both are A, they take it seriously and they have the resources to fight it, as many resources as anybody. Probably their combination of resources and taking it seriously might be the top of college football, right? And and just because their resources are at the top of college football and a lot of the other programs that have equal resources to them. Alabama, Clemson, Texas, whatever, just maybe those conferences aren't as cautious as the Big Ten. So that's kind of my assumption, that they're attacking this as well as you can attack it. So I want to give them credit, but I don't want to be naive to the fact that 
they're trying to win a national championship. And, and I don't know, maybe they're just pushing the envelope a little bit. So I don't know the answer. And I don't know that we're ever going to know. So I guess, are you guys taking it more as a good sign that they seem ready to play Saturday or some kind of like, oh man, I don't know. Like it makes you question them that they're ready to play Saturday because I don't want to be naive, but I also don't want to be that so cynical that I don't believe that people are doing their best and have good intentions. I don't know. Not that it matters, but I think fans listening to this might be in their own heads trying to figure it out a little bit. I, I, I think the, the problem, they're not being really transparent with this. So I think you just have to take it as a good sign that what Nathan just said, they, whatever their testing numbers were on Saturday and Sunday, when they got those back and even Monday, they were at a point where they felt like they could go ahead with things as scheduled. So I, you just kind of have to take it as a good thing unless something happens over the next 48 hours where it backfires, you just have to look at it as, okay, it's good. Things are going back on schedule. I mean, Ryan Day saying that they didn't have to come back to practice until Thursday, he thought to get a game in. And the fact that Monday is usually their off day, right? Yeah. Typically you come back, you do stuff on Sunday, Monday is your off day. You go back to practice Tuesday, Wednesday. So the fact, so they didn't need to do anything on Monday in an organized way, but because they hadn't done anything over the weekend, they felt, they were safe enough to do that is how I, I, I don't know how to read it any other way. And it's like, we're not, it's not that we're not trying to talk to other people too behind the scenes that aren't necessarily just the public comment on this. And if we were getting some kind of vibe that they were being um, reckless, I think we would pass that on and I'm not getting that vibe. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I just want to lay that out there. Not, not that, that that's not the most important thing because I hope, you know, the truth will come out one way or the other. And I do think, they do care about the health of their players. I mean, I, I, I do think that. And I think, I think all college football programs care about the health of their players to varying degrees because you balance it sometimes against other things. So I guess I'm, I'm okay. And it's not even giving Ohio State the benefit of the doubt. It's just we don't know. So you got to take them at their word, basically. And it's like, okay, I think we'll take them at their word until there's reason, proven reason not to. And at the moment, Taking them at their word says they're back practicing and getting ready for the game Saturday. So it feels like Saturday is going to happen, which is, I think, better than we would have said a couple days ago. Okay, number two. Now the Ohio State-Michigan game is in flux. <laughs> and it's like just when you got it figured out, because, again, the whole thing, and we're going to get into could some of these rules change? Could, at the moment, you have to play at least six games to play for the Big Ten Championship, which means Ohio State has to play its last two games in order to be eligible for the big 10 championship game, might that change? We'll get into that later, but as it stands for, you know, a couple of days ago, it was like, well, they've got to get this Michigan state game in and then they'll play Michigan. Now it's sort of like, okay, well, they're going to get the Michigan state game in, but then can they play Michigan? Nathan, what is the latest with this? Because Wednesday, that was the biggest news was that things seem to be headed the wrong direction in Ann Arbor. So, I mean, they definitely headed the wrong direction for them to play this week. And then now it's just a matter of this waiting game is going to last because they said Michigan can't resume practice until Monday at the earliest. So we won't know until Monday if they've decided to start resuming activities next week. So here's the way things stand from the Big Ten. This has already been out there. I think we mentioned on the pod a couple weeks ago. Um, The Big Ten did change at some point um, the mechanism that would allow if there were multiple cancellations in a week that those opponents who had games canceled could play each other. Well, that, okay, that's my next question. That's a very important thing. But let's first just keep it on 
whether we think the Ohio State Michigan game itself will be played. Oh, okay. We'll get to what the other options are if it's not. Nathan, as you Nathan, you've been you've been digging around with the the COVID stuff through the last several months more than than the rest of us. If you had, is your gut right now that this is going to be played or not? I mean, well, my again, gut. Yeah, go ahead. My gut when I got back from Columbus on whatever time it was Saturday or when I woke up Monday morning, actually, my gut told me we were not playing Ohio state, Michigan state this week because every other cancellation that had happened, we've talked about it here on the pod. We've written about it. Every other cancellation, there'd been a second cancellation. No team had gotten away with just having one game canceled due to its own outbreak. Ohio state, if it plays on Saturday, will be the first one. So that means that Michigan's going to have to be the second one. Uh, so, but just, but still just based on the odds, it doesn't seem good. Right. I mean, and, and the fact that Michigan is, I don't know, but, the, but also the fact that Michigan caught it maybe early in the week gives them enough time to, to, to handle it. I don't know, but it wasn't like something that came up like Ohio state did. I mean, the, the other thing that made me skeptical about Ohio state situation was they didn't find out till a Wednesday night. That just seemed like a late clock to start to even get that next game in. Cause there's other teams that had found out early in a week and it still wiped them out for two weeks. Ohio state really kind of, so far, it seems like they've bucked the, the trend, and now Michigan's going to have to do it too. So I would still lean towards being skeptical of that game being played, but um, I think Michigan wants to play the game, very obviously, from everything they've said, and I think they're going to try to play it, so we'll see. So the one thing is, again, I don't want to bog people down with this, but I do think we have to make some comparisons where we know them to try to learn. Last week, Ohio State started to get some positive tests like on Wednesday and Thursday, but they didn't shut it down until Friday. And then they were back practicing on Tuesday, right? They shut it down Friday. They practiced Tuesday. Michigan started getting some things on Monday and Tuesday this week. They're shutting it down on Wednesday and they're saying they're not going to practice before the next Monday. So their stoppage is going to be longer than what Ohio State's wound up being. So I don't, again, I don't know if that's a sign of extra caution on Michigan's hand, or is Michigan in a worse place than Ohio State was? So then do you read it as a good thing or a bad thing? That if they're more cautious and they say, hey, it's Wednesday, we're not doing anything before Monday. Does that mean, well, then they're going to spend the next couple of days getting it under control, and then they might be able to come back next Tuesday and be fine. Or does it mean it's so bad right there right now? They're like, well, we can't do anything before Monday. And then like, they're probably not going to be able to do it. I don't know. But they are taking a longer break than Ohio State did. That's just how they're reporting it. And what we know happened with the Buckeyes. So, Stephen, as you're reading this, and we're just trying to read stuff, and we'll talk soon about Ward Manual. The Michigan Athletic Director did an interview, I guess, what, that was on Michigan's website. It wasn't like he did a press conference. Again, credit to Ohio State for answering questions from actual nonpartisan, unbiased media like us. And Michigan's just trotting it out and put it on a website. Steven, are you guessing right now that Ohio State, Michigan is played or not played? I am 85% played, um, but that's falling by the day. But I do think, maybe this is overthinking is, but Michigan was going to play a team who's also had to shut down its stuff for COVID reasons. So maybe that had to play into why they were also being overly cautious. It's why if we're having some issues and we're going to go play a team who has in the past had their own set of issues with COVID, 
how about we just cancel this game now and put our focus towards the future of a game that's also a little bit more important with all due respect to what Maryland is. The Ohio State-Michigan game is a lot more important. So maybe that played a role in it as well. Maybe that's over-speculating things, but, you know, but that could also be a reason for if you, you know, don't add more to the issues that you're already going to have within your own program. I saw a lot of people who immediately, as soon as Michigan said that it was canceling, took that as like a a body blow to any chance of playing the Ohio state Michigan game. And I don't know why you don't see it the other way. Doug makes a good point in that it could be the one, like it could be, they have a terrible outbreak. That's just so out of control that they, it scared them to death. And that's why, but it could also be that they don't care about the Maryland game at all. Cause nobody cares about the Michigan Maryland game anywhere except, I mean, people want to play, but they don't care really. It doesn't matter. And they do care about the Ohio state game, no matter how much, conspiracy theorists want to believe that they don't and they want to do everything they can to play the game canceling this game when they did and shutting down for the week makes it more likely the Ohio State game is played I don't know how you don't even if it is really bad at Michigan it still makes it more likely that the game gets played right you're exactly right and I do think it's it's easy to let your instinct go the other direction it's easy to let your instinct go well that's it but what they've what they've said so far is basically we're wiping out everything through up until when we'd start getting ready for Ohio State. Because as you said, a lot of teams like Monday's common, like the common off day kind of. So it's like, okay. So then all your focus is, I mean, it's Wednesday afternoon, and they didn't do much on Monday or Tuesday either. So basically they just their entire focus is on the first time we really would practice for the Ohio State game. That's our focus. So that actually increases increases your chances of it happening. So I think maybe if you're listening to this and you feel like, oh, like hope is lost for that game, I think actually maybe we're pulling you back a little bit that Ohio State was a little preemptive. It feels like maybe doing that saved the game the week after. Maybe Michigan's doing the same thing. The part that's hard about this, and I was looking, I was double-checking, and we're going to get into what the other options might be. Minnesota, very quickly, Minnesota canceled last week. And then very quickly said, we're also not playing this week against Northwestern. They made that decision right off the bat. And it feels like people, this is just speculation, right? Minnesota is supposed to play Nebraska the last week. And people are already talking about, well, Nebraska is available because Minnesota can't play. There's no reports of that, right? That Minnesota is def- is like out for a third straight week. It's just no. people assuming a worst case scenario for the Gophers. Correct. Correct. Okay. It's hard, man. As, hard. as of right now, like you said, it's changing by the hour, but as of 8.38 p.m. on Wednesday night. Okay. We're going to get into sort of the talk around this Michigan game at some point, and we, we will get into that. We're going to save it right now. We're, we're trying to lead off with some facts, and then we'll get to the scuttlebutt because Nathan just roasted Herbie. Just, just It was like Nathan Baird, like – just like a yeah, mild-mannered Nathan Baird, Big Ten reporter. And he was like, oh, yeah? You want some of this, Herb Street? And it was like, that's my boy. Here we go. Nathan <laughs> so Baird. Proud. You were Come proud. on, bring some of that. Oh, yeah, you're the, national, you're the big national guy? Former Ohio State quarterback? Nathan Baird doesn't care. He's not afraid of you, Kirk Herb Street. I'd like to take all that credit for We, we won't get into it. It, we, we, it, was, it was too easy. You made it, you made it so too easy. The, the way you ended it was awesome. <laughs> okay, so let's, 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 let's save that for later. But let's get to this to na- for now. 
If so, there are two games canceled for this week, Northwestern Minnesota and Michigan, Maryland, five still on the schedule at the moment. If that continues, there will only be four of the 14 big 10 teams who will have played every game so far. That's how much this will have affected people that it now has been in Wisconsin, Maryland, Ohio state, Minnesota, and now Michigan, that those five teams have been forced to cancel. And that has affected at least five other programs who have had a game canceled because they were the opponent for one of those five teams. So the only teams that are going to be, if they stay on track, that'll have played all seven are Rutgers, Indiana, Penn state, and Iowa. When we get to the end of this weekend, which leads us to the final weekend of the season. And the idea that if Ohio state, which has already had two games that it has, it has missed, if it plays Michigan state and if Michigan can't play, what could be done? Because if Ohio state can find a different opponent, if they can't play Michigan, that would be their sixth game. And under the current rules, that would make them eligible for the big 10 championship game. And I think there should be some big 10 wiggling at hand. I think there should be some proactive schedule adjustments and we'll get into how they might work. Steven, where are you on the idea of the Big Ten perhaps adjusting the week eight schedule to maybe try to even things out, to maybe try to help out the only playoff contender in the conference? Whatever you think the reasoning is, do you think they should? Yes, I think they should. ACC is doing it now, not to this extreme, but you know, the idea that they're doing everything in their power to make sure that Notre Dame and Clemson are going to be playing each other in the ACC championship game. I think the big, big Ten should follow that lead. This is a fluid season. Everything is a day-to-day basis. So I think the schedule should reflect that at this point when you've had this many teams have, have to deal with COVID issues. Nothing should be set in stone anymore. Just like you don't know, you don't know you're going to play on Saturday until you show up on Saturday. And even then, as we saw with the MLB, you might have a guy get pulled halfway through the game because he just tested positive. We've seen Florida State has canceled morning of the game a couple times mm-hmm. now for COVID-related things. Twice. Once because of Clemson's COVID things and then once because of their own COVID things. Mm-hmm. So, Nathan, Stephen thinks they should be open to proactive flexibility. I think they should be open to proactive flexibility. Do you think they should? But then more importantly, do you think they will? I think they should to some extent. I, I, I don't think they should probably to the extent that I'm guessing that maybe you would. I wouldn't, I mean, because there are other rivalry games that weekend and I know that it's, I know those games don't matter to Ohio State fans, but in some cases they matter more than any other game to those fan bases. And I don't know if you blow those up just to, just to, just for the sake of Ohio State, but I do think they should be proactive to some extent. And I think they will be to some extent. Now, as I've started to say before, the first thing that's important to remember is this may not be something that they have to be that they have to institute something else for because there are already some um, procedures for this. If two teams, if two games get canceled, those opponents can play each other. Now, <laughs> what's frustrating about it, I guess, from a Ohio State standpoint, is the most likely other cancellation next week, including along with their game, is that Minnesota-Nebraska game, which would then lead to them just playing Nebraska again. Now, it doesn't help you really from a uh, in terms of the college football playoff, but it does it get you that sixth game that ensures you playing for a conference championship that if you're worried, assuming you win it, that if you're worried about that alone being a 
something that prohibits you from uh, something that's held against you by the, by the playoff committee, then I guess you would just do it, right? You would just play Nebraska. You'd probably play at Nebraska and that's just what you would do. Um, that's the, the, the thing that I think the big 10 would want to know. It's tricky because I think the big 10 would want to know that that was not the easy option that it could just do without tearing up the rest of the schedule that if that's on the table, that's what will happen. If for some reason that the Michigan Ohio state game is the only one that gets canceled. I'm, I do think they will look at some rearrangement, but I don't know what you do at that point. Cause then you're telling somebody else not to play. If Ohio state Michigan is the only game that gets canceled, you're basically telling somebody else in the conference, you're not playing this week. And I think that's fair. And I think that's, I don't think that's fair because Ohio state is better than everybody. I think it is reasonable to share the burden of this. And that, as I said, there are four teams right now who have gotten through Penn state, Rutgers, Indiana, and Iowa. So if we reach a point where going into the last weekend of the season, Rutgers is, has played seven out of seven and Ohio state has played five out of seven. And now Ohio state doesn't have a game. And so as it stands, your choices are Rutgers plays eight and Ohio state plays five. One, because of Ohio State's own test, but two, because they just happen to have the wrong opponents those weeks. Or you tell Rutgers, sorry, we're sharing the burden. It's just like if you had your opponent get COVID, Maryland's playing Ohio State instead of playing Rutgers because that's scheduled for the last weekend of the year. Rutgers still plays seven out of eight weekends. Ohio State's now still only playing six. But I would say the same thing in reverse. Because a world where it's like, hey, how was your schedule? It's like, well, some of the teams played all eight. And some teams played like four or five. You have flexibility to deal with that. And I, I don't know, like if Rutgers says, well, that's not fair. It's like, well, what's not fair about it? Because there have been teams who have missed games through no fault of their own. So now you're missing a game through no fault of your own, which has happened to a bunch of other teams already. So I, I think that is a convincing case. And then, by the way, on top of it, that's Ohio State's sixth game. It makes them eligible for the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State, frankly, does matter more than Rutgers, right? The Big Ten wants a playoff, uh, a playoff contender, right? They don't want they don't want to hurt. They don't want to have all right. Hey, well, congratulations, Rutgers. You went you you had two wins this year. That was a great year. You got to play eight. The team that we're trying to see if they can win the national championship, they got five. I just think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the conference could decree that and, or you take it away. I mean, you know, you could take away a game from Penn state. You could take away a game from Iowa. You could take away a game from Indiana. You know, if you want to take, if you want to tell Indiana, Hey, listen, man, Penix is hurt anyway. We're ditching the old Oaken bucket. Ohio state's playing Purdue, right? You could do that too. Now the old Oaken bucket matters more than Rutgers, Maryland. So I get it. There are rivalries that matter, but I think that share the burden you were whacking one of your games just makes a lot of sense to me. And the Maryland Rutgers example is a very specific example because that's one of the games Ohio state missed. Steven, are you in favor of whacking Maryland Rutgers? If need be, if Michigan can't play and having the Buckeyes play the Terrapins the last week? Yes. One, I mean, it's just more people are going to tune in to watch Ohio State, even if they're playing Maryland and Maryland and Rutgers play each other. But yeah, then it creates some, it gets your best, your best chance of getting a team into the college football playoff. You add to that. You give them a better chance of that happening 
than taking away from that because Rutgers wants to throw a temper tantrum and play an eighth game. Well, no, we don't have to. We don't have to be mean to Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers, they, Rutgers Look, I mean, can, if, can be if, a little upset, but you might have to explain it. But they're allowed to be upset a little bit. Sure, and I think if there wasn't a champions championship weekend also where every team is supposed to play, then I don't know if I would be in favor of that. I don't know if I would be in favor of getting to this point of a season and then telling guys who only have one more college football game left to play, we're, we're cutting you off because Ohio state needs another game. Like, I don't know if I agree with that, but what's the difference uh, between telling Ohio state guys you're cut off because Michigan has COVID. What's the difference? I, I see your point, I guess there, but I, again, I, I mean, it's I, just I, I see luck. both. I see both sides of the air. I, I see both sides of it. I agree with you. If the championship weekend didn't exist, it would be a little harder to sell that. But, but since but it, maybe, it's easy to do it because it, you have it. And, but maybe even with championship, I mean, like, there's no guarantee those championship weekend games will happen. Like I just said earlier, there's no chance any of these games is going to – no no guarantee that any of these games happen. So, I mean, you would tell Rutgers, Rutgers, your game was canceled by COVID. It was Michigan's COVID, but your game was canceled by COVID. Because what if – I mean, they made a rule. Honestly, it's one of these things. They made a rule that you have to play six games to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. They just as easily could have made a rule that said no team will play eight games until everybody plays six. And we'll move the schedule around to make that happen because it's not fair. That's just as that's frankly a more sensible rule of like, okay, or you do it and you do it as a companion rule. You have to play six to be eligible for the championship game. But we're going to get if we have to pull away from somebody who's playing eight to get you six, we'll do it right that we're going to we're not just going to make a rule of six and then be like, oh, well, bad luck. So so I just I just don't see the difference. I mean, it's just all it's just all luck. It's just all bad luck. And if you felt like, again, hey, you're Minnesota, you're whacked on because of two weeks yourself. If there was a single team, if one team had two separate outbreaks and missed two games and two more, that's a different thing. But if Ohio State's in a situation where they miss one because of themselves, one because of Maryland, and one because of Michigan, it's like, come on, man. Why does Penn State get to play every game? Why does Rutgers get to play every game? And we're, we're sitting over here twiddling our thumbs. And by the way, the tiebreaker is Ohio State's games matter more. And if you want your games to matter more, then win more. Yeah, that, that's what makes it a selling point. The fact that you've already played six games and you're still not eligible to play in the Big Ten Championship game because your record sucks. This The only thing, while this while with Ohio State, the only thing keeping them out is just something that's completely out of their control. That's, that's really what your selling point is. Steven, did you not get the memo? We are being nice to Rutgers now. Okay, not, oh, not even just Rutgers. Penn, Penn State, this applies to you too. Okay. And everybody everybody who is who is under 500 in the Big Ten, the, this rule applies to you. I'm sorry, Greg Schiano. They have two wins. It's very exciting. Congratulations. I will so say, you know, you brought it up a couple of times now. This is, and this is a tangent. We won't have to go on very long, but like as bad as this has turned out to be for the big 10 to only have four teams, get all of its games in potentially um, in retrospect, that almost seems like a miracle that that four teams got their whole season in because coming into the season, we thought Rutgers was the team. Like what chance are they even, are they going to get two games in and just quit? Like that's what the the whole narrative was, right? Like it was like, this team doesn't, this team's going to be so terrible. And that, that whole state is just a Petri dish right now. There's no chance they're going to get a football season in. Rutgers is going to play all their games. I always had bad situation, Indiana, because I kind of follow still media in that state. I saw I had the second, highest percentage of hospital beds used to the next to the Dakotas and Indiana is going to get their games in. I mean, um, 
and Purdue would too. I think Purdue would, if not for a cancellation against them by Wisconsin. So Purdue would also be uh, would be all, also be getting all seven games in. So it's it's just it is bad luck, man. It's bad. It's bad luck. I mean, Iowa's a mess right now with community yeah. spread of COVID. I mean, the idea that Iowa's one of the four, I mean, is is remarkable. So yeah, I mean, it is, and it's one of those things. Even your program getting it is, I mean, again, that's another thing. And we've talked about that. Some people are in a, not in Ohio State. Some people around Ohio State were very quick to like blame Maryland. And then it's like, it happens to Ohio state. And it's like, is it a program's fault if there's a COVID outbreak? Especially and I'm the programs same. Who are in major cities. That's true. And that's another thing. That's true. I mean, like that's you're Maryland, in Ohio state are in there in big cities, Minneapolis, an urban era. Yeah, Minneapolis. I mean, the, yeah, these are bigger cities. I mean, that's, it's, yeah, that would be actually an interesting thing to go. Cause those, yeah. the other schools now, New Jersey's the, again, is the, the outlier here but is the outlier State. here a little bit because they're they're technically a big urban area but but not really where Piscataway is New Jersey's a weird state it's like densely populated urban areas or rural yeah. areas I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it but State College Bloomington Iowa City a secluded um, West real Lafayette, towns. Champaign. So unless, there's, unless there's students there it might actually just be a bubble while with these colleges and major cities you can't really have, I mean, the students are gone, but that doesn't mean the population of the city is gone as well. I'm going to have to go back and dub this podcast because Nathan just said New Jersey's a weird state. I'm going to go back in and dub that. I'm going to dub in <laughs> New Jersey's a fantastic a bad state. state. And Stephen, when Stephen says <laughs> Rutgers sucks, I'm going to dub and it's going to say Rutgers is doing its best. Like I'm just going to, we're being, they're being nice to Rutgers pod. But it's going to be I, like if you ever watch a major league on uh, network television where they dub in, they dub out all the swears and yeah. dub in just like, and like the voices don't even match. We'll take a quick break. We'll come <laughs> back. We'll talk about what might happen on, on with big, with Ohio state, with the playoff, with the Michigan game, what else, uh, what other options there are next on Buckeye talk. All right, back on Buckeye talk. The next thing we want to talk about is the rules that are in place. We said, you know, they have some rules. They, they don't have some rules. Could the Big Ten adjust the rules on needing to play six games to get into the Big Ten championship game or adjust the rules on players being required to sit out 21 days after a positive test? Because as it stands now, we've said it multiple times, any Ohio State player who has tested positive at the moment cannot play in the Michigan game. We're trying to figure out if the team can play, but those players can't play. So those two issues, and let's talk about the six-game rule first because part of this is – Again, we're, we're talking about the idea of – and the playoff does matter. I mean, I think for the playoff, every game that Ohio State plays helps their playoff chances, and we kind of went that over that already. But if the idea is, well, they've got to play six games to get in the Big Ten championship, and then the Big Ten is going to, like, bend over backwards and cut games from Rutgers and rearrange the schedule just to get Ohio State that sixth game if Michigan can't play, you could also say that rule is no longer in effect because you're like scrambling the whole schedule to meet criteria that you yourself set. So let's start with that. Barry Alvarez, Nathan was talking about this. You, I think put up a post about it. Barry Alvarez, the grand old man of the big 10, who just is constantly spilling the secrets. I'm sure they're in the big 10 offices. They're like Barry, God, Barry, we said that on the call, right at the end of the call, we said, don't talk about this. And then it's like a, rebo- a reporter rings up. He's like, hey, Barry. He's like, hey, what do you need to know? God bless him. We sure. love it. I'm not, 
I'm not even sure the reporter has to call Barry. Sometimes I wonder if he's just like randomly dialing people in the Big Ten. But I have a, re- I have a, I have a, my own conspiracy theory as to why Barry Alvarez said what he did today. But we can get to that. I don't really mean this. I don't really mean it. I, don't, I don't mean it. But just what you're talking about, I've, you've read some of the coverage at times. There are reporters. There was a thing a little while ago where like. Rudy Giuliani was like butt dialing reporters and like giving away secrets by accident. Barry Alvarez is the Rudy Giuliani of the big 10. And I'm not, oh, no, I'm, no, he's, he's actually got it together. I think a little bit more I know. than that. I, think I don't he really actually, mean that. He knows who he's talking to. I know. And Bar- actually, I mean like Barry Alvarez was on the committee. It's just that Barry Alvarez will talk to reporters like Giuliani will talk to reporters and he was, you know, an all powerful person, you know I mean? Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of New York, America's mayor, Barry Alvarez that, that revitalized Wisconsin football. And now they're kind of in still very public roles. I mean, he's the AD of Wisconsin. It's still a big job. So I just think that sometimes I love that Barry Alvarez is open. We come on here and we say, why aren't teams more transparent? And then it's like Barry Alvarez is telling reporters what's actually going on. And now I'm making fun of him. So I'm not, I, it's just so refreshing because it's kind of rare, you know, that like, this is a guy who's in power. He is a power for power. Let's do a ranking. We did the 10 most powerful people in the Big Ten. He's on the list. Oh, and yeah. he'll he'll let you know what's up, and which is good for fans. So what is Barry Alvarez saying about the six-game rule and Ohio State and getting into the championship game, Nathan? Well, Barry Alvarez was speaking specifically. It wasn't just about the six-game rule. It was actually more about um, – well, there were a, a, a couple of things at play. He was talking about the uh, Champions Weekend also being a very flexible week that they could move things around that weekend if, if need be. Um, so I think there are two things at play. Um, but basically, he, he was saying that, like, we can't to paraphrase, to paraphrase, it's not fair to keep our a team out of potentially making the playoffs based on a technicality. That's what the that's what the crux of the argument comes down to. And while it may be unfair, as what we were talking about before, to tell Rutgers, uh, "Sorry, you're just not playing a game this week," as Ohio State needs to. The other thing also isn't fair. So that I think was the crux of his argument that it, it doesn't make sense to if you have the opportunity to move some things around. It, I think what's important is that people get hung up on this six game thing. There's a difference between saying that every team needs to play six games in order to get to, to qualify for the Big Ten championship or every team needs to play six of its eight scheduled originally scheduled games in order to play for the big 10 championship. I think that's how people are reading the rule. I don't think I'm trying to logically bend things here to benefit Ohio state necessarily that much. I think this will apply to any team. It's just a matter of exposing you to six games from a competitive standpoint, being a threshold to qualify you for the big 10 championship game is the important thing. It's not necessarily that you had to play six of your eight, because as we've talked about before, I brought this up a couple weeks ago when this was first kind of bouncing around. The thing that I thought was unfair about this standard was that it, it, it gave equal, um, uh, what do you want to say? Equal punishment to whether to a game that was canceled because of your own outbreak or a game that was canceled by an opponent's outbreak. And now Ohio state's going to end up, under this scenario, if they can't play Michigan, two of the three that they lose will have not been of their own control. It would have been. So that's what I have always had a problem with, with this rule. It was that it seemed like it was designed to for that. If a team had its own outbreak that cost it several games that it should not get to then just limp into the big 10 championship game. But the consequences aren't that, that it's, it's teams that want to play and can play getting deprived of the chance to play and that costing them a chance. I think that's what Barry Alvarez is saying that like they have some control here and they should use it. And part of it is 
if Ohio State's in a situation where they are five and one, no, they're five and zero. Oh, but if they were five and one, they'd they'd be able to go. Like if you gave them a loss, they've now reached the six game threshold, and they'd still be in first place in the East because they'd have the tiebreaker with Indiana. And I think the tiebreaker is not win percentage, right? I mean, it's like number of losses, right? So I don't know. I mean, I think it's very difficult, but the idea is they do have an opportunity to do something again, Steven, we're trying to get in their heads. We're trying to think like them and we're not homers on this podcast, but we view the big 10 through an Ohio state lens. And I do think that affects how we interpret things sometimes and maybe if you were on a minnesota podcast or a michigan state podcast and you would view the big 10 through the lens of those teams you'd say well i don't whatever they made a rule ohio state didn't meet the threshold do you think the big 10 a could could be open to this should should be open to it and do you think they'll change it if ohio state doesn't play six games and let's say they can't rearrange it for Ohio state to get that sixth game. Will they change it? Will they have, I don't, and I don't even know if guts is the right word because you could argue that it's not the right thing to do. So it's not just like they have to be bold. It's like they have to balance bold and fair. Will they change the rule? I think they will. I think in part of the reason why it's very obvious that Ohio state's the best team in the big 10 and they prove even in this minimal amount of games before they've proven that they beat the other good team in the big 10 east even if it was didn't beat them soundly the way they maybe should have they they beat that they beat indiana and by all every they've done everything they needed to do on the field to prove the fact that they should be in the big 10 championship game and i think you have to make the argument of you can't take that away from them because the world is in shambles right now and something that they can only control but so much did barry alvarez leave the impression nathan that he believed having a big 10 championship would greatly enhance Ohio state's playoff resume because I honestly, at this point have almost resigned myself to the idea of they're not in, they don't play enough games to get in. Cause I really thought they weren't going to play the Michigan state game, but that they play five regular season games. They play Wisconsin or Iowa in the second place game. They get to six to no, and that's their resume. They don't have a trophy, but that's their resume. And that should be good enough. Did Barry, I thought maybe the interpretation was Barry Alvarez thought yeah, it would be quite a difference if you got to actually be in the championship game and say, not only are we undefeated, we are the Big Ten champ. So I, I want to make sure like this was a, an article that the Detroit News, like they put out some of their interview and they put out an article, but I didn't actually get to watch the video. So I don't remember him if he said that that was. I think if you watched last night, though, from the, the committee, um, or if you were able to hear that, um, I think Gary, I can't remember if Gary Barber was asked during the ESPN part of that, but we asked him, somebody asked him during the, 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 the teleconference afterwards about whether it, whether a team it's held against a team that it doesn't play for a big 10, a conference championship because it was deprived of that, that not because it didn't achieve to there, but because it wasn't eligible. And the way Gary Barta said it was, it's one less piece of data that we have to compare teams. So I think it is something that if I was Ohio state, because after hearing things like that, I would have some concern that in a tiebreaker scenario, it, it would be held against them. I don't know that he said that it was necessarily, I, you could extrapolate that though. Right. I mean, why else would you, why else, if, if you didn't think it mattered, then why would you push for it? 
Well, the, the reason is, and I still think some people, when they talk about it, aren't talking about it in the context of there's a champion's weekend and Ohio State's going to play a game. Regardless. Right. right. So right. not getting the game, it's a whole extra data point because it's a whole extra game. And yes, I guess it would be against a higher ranked opponent, but it is greatly lessened by the fact that, all right, well, you just play Wisconsin and it's fine and you still get the game. And frankly, by the time we get, it's only in two weekends, but by the time we get to that, Wisconsin might be ranked higher than Northwestern. Sure. Northwestern might lose one more and still get in with two losses, but Wisconsin is ineligible. And then actually the, the thing that you might do, so here's where you, come, you end up with two different paths. You can change the schedule. If Ohio State's not the team that has the outbreak and you change the schedule, you play Michigan State, Michigan can't play. You change the schedule to get Ohio State the sixth win, but you keep the, the qualifications in place. Now you're just opening the door for Ohio State to get in. If you drop the six-game rule, if Northwestern loses again, Wisconsin's in the Big Ten Championship because now you're dropping the rule for Wisconsin too. And you might wind up with, like if you keep all the rules, you might wind up with Ohio State versus Wisconsin for second. And depending if Northwestern keeps winning or not, if you get rid of the six-game rule, you might end up with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Indianapolis for the championship. So I, when he says data point, I understand the idea of uh, it might be something Ohio State's worried about. I just think data point means game. And that he's being not specific he, enough. So he didn't say that. That are you saying he him or Barta? Because that was something Gary Barta. No, Barta, said. right? That you're right. saying Barta said data point because data point is the kind of thing when they anoint an athletic director to become the spokesman for the playoff committee, and they send them to robot training school, and then they start to call things data points instead of games. And that's what he means. It's like another opportunity to present yourself on a playing field. So I love championship weekend. I hope they continue it. They really should. I mean, honestly, the idea, just get rid of another, get rid of the third crossover, give teams two buys in the middle of the year for their amateur brains and bodies, and then have everybody play the last weekend. That is a much better idea. Why just have one team play the last weekend? And then everybody at the end, if you're making your case, you get to make your case. And then you can have some cool neutral site games or you figure out whatever, you cross over, who has the home, who has the visitor. You still work it out. That's a much better idea anyway. So, okay. So maybe it's not quite as big of a deal then that. Well, and that just to clarify, Alvarez. Trophy. Yeah, Alvarez was asked, should, I mean, I'll read it. Alvarez was asked, should the Big Ten revisit the five game rule or the six game rule? So I think that was actually more what he was answering. Uh, let's see. Uh, he was asked if there's been any talk of trying to change the requirements. So that is directly asking, should they play? Should they be able to get in playing less than six games? And he said, yes. And I think something I he had said, really... they should consider revisiting the rule. He, they should consider Correct. changing the rule. Yes. His quote was our league can't keep them from having the opportunity if they have a chance to be in the finals. And I think what you brought up is an important thing to remember that like, if, if you have, um, if you're five and zero, oh, and the other team, all the other teams in your league have the best is, is one loss in your division. And if you added one loss, you would still get in. Then that should probably, that should answer the question. Like if you're thinking it's about being exposed to that sixth game and the sixth game wouldn't matter, then that team should just go to the championship game. And they'll talk but, about this. It's, and, and we, they may talk about this. They have the ability to talk. They have zoom machines. So they might, 
discuss this because they are discussing their own one-time rule in a pandemic. So the second rule that they might discuss is this 21-day requirement. If you test positive, you're out for 21 days, which means any Ohio State player who has a positive test right now can't play for the Michigan game. Nathan, there are some CDC guidelines that changed. And it feels like those guidelines changing in CDC, Center for Disease Control, those guideline changes might open the door for Big Ten changes because they would not be arbitrary. They would not be like, why are you changing your mind in the middle? It's like, because the science changed. It's like very coincidental timing for the Big Ten if they want to go down this road. That as it as it is coming to a head potentially for Ohio State, Michigan, they might have the opportunity. Do you think maybe they could have that discussion? And let's make sure our listeners understand what we're talking about with this discussion. So the Big Ten Medical Subcommittee still meets regularly. I don't know if it's weekly, but I think it's it's pretty regularly. So if not weekly, then twice a month, whatever, something like that. And they are what I was told. They do still take into account these sorts of developments now. The as far as the cardiac stuff is we, we talked about this, I guess, on the pod earlier this week or last week, like that stuff has already there have been some advancements there as far as what we understand and know about the, the cardiac problems. But and to this point, that hasn't been enough to push the Big Ten to make a change. As you said, the CDC today, Wednesday, came out with some new guidelines that if uh, as far as contact tracing, now they're recommending that used to be 14 days. Now it's 10 or as low as seven. And that group that as low as seven days is people who have access to regular testing, either the rapid testing or the, the PCR, the, the more advanced testing. And the Big Ten uses both, but obviously they're doing the daily testing daily. So that, that would be a, a huge thing for a team like Ohio State that may be dealing with some cases. We don't know how many. We don't know who for sure. But if they're dealing with some cases, we've already been talking about them since this came out last week. We've been saying automatically, well, they're done. Like they can't play all the way through the Michigan game. If the, if the committee were to revisit that based on these new recommendations and based on that, the new science, then I, potentially those players could return for Michigan it was certainly the ones who where contact tracing is involved could be backed by Michigan. And I suppose perhaps even by Michigan state, I don't want to get too far ahead of us because we don't know a lot of the specifics as far as who, when those sorts of things, it's, it's very case by case basis, but it, it's just something to keep in mind that I, we, we believe that the committee is thinking about those things when they meet again. I was talking to somebody, we know, obviously there are a lot of interested parties here, and you are constantly balancing safety and health and opportunity. And the thing that I was saying to this person is that this is where I think there might be an opportunity if somebody would want to push for change, whether from the outside or whether from inside the conference, from a program perspective, this 21 day thing, I think is an opportunity to perhaps push for a change. And that was even before the CDC changed the guidelines. Um, just because, again, we've talked about it before, other conferences are more are 10 or 14 days. They are not 21. And if it's like we're, you know, they tested negative. They had the daily testing. They're not, they had the 10 day isolation or whatever. Like why, why is this 21 day thing in place? But really the CDC thing opens the door on this. I, I would not be surprised if this perhaps changes. And I think, I think there is a real possibility that all the Ohio State players that we said, well, they're out for Michigan, they might be back and eligible for Michigan. <laughs> if it's played, <laughs> you're now eligible to play a game that is not being played. But then they would be eligible to play Maryland or play Nebraska or play whatever 
that the one thing that I think, and, and so we just, we wanted to state that Steven, I, I, I'm pretty certain about this, this week again. And I don't know that there's been talk of this yet. Again, it's hard when you've already played Minnesota Northwestern has been canceled because of Minnesota. Michigan, Maryland has been canceled because of Michigan. Northwestern and Maryland played each other in the first game of the year. And Northwestern beat them like 42 to three. Northwestern, if, if the rules don't change, Northwestern has clinched its spot in the Big Ten championship game because it's off this week because Minnesota can't play, so they can't lose. So if they only have one more game left, that would be their second loss. Iowa has two losses, but Northwestern beat Iowa head to head and Wisconsin's disqualified. So like Northwestern's in. So like Northwestern and Maryland could play each other this week if they both wanted to. I don't know that I've, I haven't read anything about it. If there's any scuttlebutt about whether that might happen, but I would understand if Northwestern's like, well, why do we want to go play a team? We already beat by 40 who looks like they're better since then to open up the chance for us to lose and kick ourselves out of the thing we already clinched. So I get why that maybe won't happen. But Steven, if Ohio, if Michigan can't play the last week and there is any other Big Ten game canceled, Ohio State will be in the stadium of the team that is able to play in a minute. I, Ohio State, they would, I think, I, I am virtually sure Ohio State would play Nebraska again. If Minnesota, Nebraska is canceled and Nebraska is the only team available and they don't stick it to Rutgers. Ohio State will play Nebraska again. Ohio State will play anybody. If Ohio State can't play Michigan, but Ohio State's ready to go, any other canceled game is a lock to me. Steven, do you agree with that? Or if you were Ohio State, is there anywhere where you would be like, well, no, I don't want to do that because of whatever reason of who the new opponent would be? No, it doesn't hurt them at all to go play anybody else because they're probably going to win who beat whoever else they would play if the Michigan game gets canceled. So unlike Northwestern, who could be in a win-lose situation, depending on how that game turned out, there's no chance of Ohio State losing that game. And they've only played four games, and they're trying to get as many reps as possible to get ready for a possible Clemson-Alabama game. So, no, I 100% see a world where if the Michigan game gets canceled, they're fighting to play somebody else if their game gets canceled. And if, and if there had been another game canceled the week that Ohio State had the Maryland game canceled, Ohio State would have played. Yeah. I, I think we're pretty certain of that. There just wasn't a game to play. There was not they're, a free opponent. They're building a different resume than what Northwestern is trying to build. It's, you know. Yes. I, 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 was, told, um, I was told that there is a kind of a – when they came up with this rule, the 80s, um, it was a noon Wednesday. It was kind of like the deadline to schedule another game or to make a decision about that, or that the cancellations had to happen by noon, something like that. But that that is like not a hard and fast rule. So like if teams like, because Michigan canceled its game after that deadline today. So if, if this afternoon that option had been there for Maryland to play someone else, the Big Ten wasn't going to probably stand in their way. No, that makes sense. If you can both swing it, and again, you got resources, you find a way to swing it. Because a lot of this, again, because Ohio State has already played um, – has missed two road games so far, has not missed a home game yet. Even though they're supposed to be the home team the last weekend, if Michigan can't play, I think Ohio State would go on the road to play anybody because they still would be balanced. If they play Michigan State and then they have to go on the road again, they would wind up playing three and three. They wouldn't be out of whack. So I, I'm, I'm sure, I think it's pretty likely one way or the other that Ohio State's going to play in the final weekend. 
So let's talk about the playoff. I want to get into, we did, I did a two minute topper on the Wednesday pod about Ohio state being fourth in the playoff race. I want to get your thoughts on that from both of you guys, but I asked this question and I want to get into the texter survey that I thought was so good. Love the texters, love their surveys, love their answers. So much participation um, across the texter arena. I'm just updating because every time you update, there's another answer that comes in. I asked this question, combining pandemic issues, the possibility of canceled games, how Ohio State is playing, and what might happen with other playoff contenders, do you think Ohio State will make the playoff? Here were the choices. Almost 100% yes. Probably yes. Maybe. And I'm worried it won't happen. So again, I always like to do it in order of like sort of most optimistic to least optimistic. Steven, which one do you think won our text or survey? Almost 100% yes, probably yes, maybe, or worried it won't happen when it comes to Ohio State in the playoff? Probably yes. Nathan, what do you think? Yes. Yes, you think probably <laughs> yes, or yes, you think 100% yes? Well, now you've confused me. What? So the top one was almost 100% yes. That was like the most optimistic. Well, like 999 Yes, is where they're at. The second answer was the second most optimistic was probably yes. The third most optimistic was maybe. And the fourth most Sorry. optimistic was worried it won't happen. Probably yes. Probably yes. You were both correct. 58% <laughs> probably yes. 58%, which I thought was pretty good. How, what do you think? What percent do you think worried it won't happen got? That's like probably, the that's pessimism. That's like you, freaking out about the playoff. You said probably yes, got fifty eight percent. Yes, Pro, I mean yes, probably yes, got yes, fifty eight. <laughs> Thank you. Twelve. Nathan, 12 what do you got? I'll, I'll take seventeen uh, percent. Eight, eight. So only eight percent of the people really, really, really worried. So fifty eight percent, probably yes, twenty one percent, maybe. Almost 100% yes, 13, which isn't that high. But there were more people who were at the top than at the bottom. Worried it won't happen was only eight. So, Nathan, you were on the call. You listened to – we could hear you just so you guys know. When you scratch your beard, Nathan, it comes through the mic because the mic is right <laughs> near your face. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll try to – People keep... say. People mute. There you go. Now, that was a, that was a mute scratch. <laughs> it's like that the was... cough button. It's a scratch button. You were on the call. You write our playoff stories when the news comes out every Tuesday night. I hope people are reading those. You write a news piece and then an analysis piece. Ohio State was fourth. So let's get into the playoff discussion now a little bit. First, that the idea that Ohio State was fourth in the same place as last week while not playing a game. What did you think of that, Nathan? Did that surprise you at all? Or did you expect that? No, that's I had predicted. I, I predicted what the top eight ended up being. Uh, listen, as I said in what I wrote, and I think I said it here on the podcast, I just don't think that the committee actually thinks Texas A&M is that good. I think they think they have to put Texas A&M ahead of Florida because Texas A&M won that game head to head. But I think on the field, when you look, there is a discrepancy between Ohio State and Texas A&M, even though Ohio State has only played four games, even though Ohio State has, I thought it would be an interesting pod topic sometime. How many actually, how many playoff quality quarters of football has Ohio State played out of 16? Like maybe eight, <laughs> maybe even if that. Like depending on how you count so the much. second half of the Penn State game, it's yeah. like not that many. <laughs> Which means they really love that Indiana win. 
So that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and because, and that's the thing, like I, I, Gary Bart is up there saying things about, oh, well, you know, their, their offensive explosiveness, which no. you could say about BYU. Who Can I just ask 14th. real quick? Did he, did he, did he say Garrett's name at all? He did. He mentioned, oh. I think he definitely mentioned Justin Fields. He definitely mentioned Master Teague. Ah. And then I can't remember if it was, I can't remember if it was Wilson or, or Olave that he mentioned, but he definitely mentioned one of the receivers. I think it was Wilson, but he um he gets it. But I mean, he's up there talking about the offensive explosiveness. He's up there talking about, oh, Indiana. You know, they had that Indiana win, <laughs> and and he's bringing up things like it, it's it's they're they're trying to like quantify these things, but really it does come down to just the feel of when they look at these teams. I think it does, and they they know when they look at Texas A and M that the team is not overall has not been as playoff quality as Ohio State or even Florida. So I think they're waiting on what we've talked about before many times, which is when does Florida if they can beat Alabama, is that enough to not just jump them past Texas A&M, but jump them all the way up to Ohio State? I really think that's the only thing at stake anymore. Did you think there was any possibility? I thought there was a possibility. I, I will say I-, I didn't think it was a great possibility, but I was on alert for, okay, well, Ohio State, listen, man, they already had played fewer games than all the contenders. Now they had their second game canceled. They're only 4-0. and as Nathan, you just said, they haven't played that many scintillating quarters. We just can't keep them fourth. We're not saying they won't earn their spot back if they play Michigan State and Michigan and another game. But at 4-0, and come on, man. We can't keep them fourth. I thought that was at least possible. Did you, Stephen, did you think that was possible? It didn't happen, but was it in your head at all before the announcement? About 10%, yes. Um, and this is probably the most obvious statement in the world to say that I think they're in unless they lose, which, yeah, clear Ohio State. But it's almost similar to, to the point of Nathan saying they've maybe only played eight playoff quality quarters. I think they're where Florida State was in 2015, I mean, 2014, and where Clemson was all last year, where they can just do enough to stay in and just kind of skate by because what we already know about them. So that's why I wasn't all that worried that they were going to be jumped by Florida or Texas A&M. And Doug, you've been in that room, sort of. You and Joel Clad in there eating fettuccine, laying in the tramp style or whatever you were doing. Like it, you, you know that you have to defend what you pick. You've talked about it before. Like, hey, are you really going to tell me that you're going to leave out a six and zero, seven and zero Ohio State undefeated Big Ten championship? Are you really going to say that? So I think if the committee looking at it right now, are you really going to put? I know that they've only played four games, but are you really going to put Texas A&M in there ahead of Ohio State when you look at Texas A&M's performance and it's not really that impressive? Are you really going to put Florida over Texas A&M? Are you really going to bring Cincinnati all the way up? Like they're just – the reason I was pretty confident yeah. that Ohio State was going to be fourth was because I did not think that the committee was going to be able to defend any other option that it put there. So there are numbers, I'm sure, and you have mentioned before, Nathan, there are some – numbers the stats the deep stats the analytics that would support ohio state as a top four team which i think is very helpful to make in that case i think the case that you just laid out and that we've talked about is a very persuasive case the question is you need somebody in the room to make it so you need one of the 13 people to feel passionately to say listen man look at them look at them we're gonna sit here we are the stewards of college football in the craziest college football season in a hundred years Only in the last six years have we gotten to the point where we really have a legitimate playoff to put the best teams in. We're trying to put the the four best teams in. I get it. Resumes matter. But the resumes are so different. How can we possibly judge by resume? 
tell me to my face, and not just to my face, go tell it to the faces of those Ohio State football players that they're not one of the four best teams in the country. Go tell them that and believe it with your heart and soul. And if you can't tell them that, you got to put them in the top four. We have to let go of some of these stats and some of these, how many games did you play? I think if somebody in that room is saying that, you're going to get people nodding along and you can sway it. And I said it before, it's just like being on a jury. That's why I want to be on a jury because I believe in my powers to persuade anybody. Here's the thing. I believe in my powers to persuade anyone so much that they probably also are completely ineffective sometimes because people grow to hate me. So in that room, they might be, my God, that guy won't shut up about Ohio State. I'm voting for Texas A&M. That could happen too. But if you have somebody who's more palatable than me, and my nicer smile, better hairline, and Joel Klatt, if Joel Klatt makes that case, it's a persuasive case. So somebody has to make it. And I think somebody in that room is making it. Given this, I thought this was a test a little bit because you could swing the other way. You could have somebody make the case. They've played four games. What are we doing here? Alabama's put, Florida's putting it on the line every week in the SEC. Look what they're doing. They've played twice as many games. They're putting themselves out there. I'm sorry, Ohio State, but we've got to reward the teams that are putting themselves at risk. Yeah, they tripped up once, but look at all their wins. That's a case too. Those are the cases that are being presented. And at a moment, an inflection point, when if you had thought one thing, not playing Illinois opened the door for you to change your mind. And maybe some people did, but not enough to change the final vote. We don't know how close it is. And that's the thing that matters so much about this. That vote right now between Ohio State and Texas A&M, there might be seven people who think Ohio State should be four. There might be six who think Texas A&M should be four. Maybe last week it was nine to four. Now it's seven to six. So now one person changes their mind next week and Ohio State's out, right? You don't know that. But I think it was important that it didn't switch. I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Steven, I agree with you. I think 10% was about right, but 10%'s a chance. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. So I thought these rankings in the end were very good news for Ohio State. Very good news. Is that too much, Nathan, to say no. very good news? I, I think very good news is probably okay to say, and I wrote this too. The other thing to remember here is it's much more difficult to be outside of that four and have to then convince the committee that you belong in it than it is to already be in the top four and just stay there and just say, you know, and just go out each week, win, win in not a a flimsy fashion, like for instance, beating LSU 20 to seven, like Texas A&M just did, although LSU is maybe not a complete train wreck, but still they're under 500. Like if you can go out and win convincingly these next couple of weeks, if you're Ohio state, the committee's already said, we think you're one of the four best teams. Just reinforce that. Just get on the field and reinforce that. That's all they're asking. It's They're not asking them to spin uh, plates or whatever, whatever you want to say. Like They're not asking them to turn water into wine. Just go out and beat Michigan State like Ohio State's supposed to beat Michigan State, and you're fine. And even in a year of a pandemic, it shows you how important you know, perception is sometimes. So let's say this pandemic was happening in 2018 or 2017. What did – be, Ohio State probably is on the outside trying to fight itself in, in a situation where they've only played four games. I mean, Doug, you brought up when we were talking the other day, and I used it in my example, the, the, the 2014 situation where it was Baylor and TCU, and they were kind of splitting the Big 12 vote. And that did, I think, play a factor there. If you got to the end of the season, the committee didn't know what to do with either of those two teams. But what actually put Ohio State into the fa- that last four was when they went out and just ob- obliterated Wisconsin in a way that made people stop and be like, okay, 
what are we even talking about here? This is clearly it's this is one of the four best teams. And it mm-hmm. turned out to be the best team in the country because they won the national championship. So that's the thing that Ohio State needs to remember is that they have control here. I think now, do, are they worried because they don't know if and when they're going to get back on the field? Of course. But like, as long as they get on the field and play well, I don't think they have anything to worry about these teams behind them. I mean, the only thing they have to worry about, and we'll keep talking about it a little, a little bit, is if Florida beats Alabama because that changes the perception of Florida. As you said, Ohio State's there until somebody behind them gives a reason for people to change their mind. Beating Alabama makes people change their minds. You're not keeping out the SEC champ, and now you're thinking about Bama and Florida, and that's a different discussion. But, man, if that happens, you know, we can get to that championship weekend. But I just think think this was good for Ohio State um, in a lot of ways. And I will say, again, I fight against perception and voting. I don't like going by tradition. I don't like saying that – well, if you put another name on a jersey, you would view a team differently. Uh, again, I, I, I'm huge on resume voting. If Indiana had Ohio State's exact resume, or if Maryland had Ohio State's exact resume, had won the four games they've won in the exact, the exact same plays, whatever, no way they're fourth. No way they're fourth. Now, if you... Well, but would, would one of those wins be over Ohio State? Well, that's the thing here. And, and this is a theory that I have espoused many times before. So Ohio state doesn't have a win over Ohio state. So let's say those teams did not have a win over Ohio state. Let's say it's Maryland and Maryland has beaten Nebraska, a bad Penn state team, Indiana and Rutgers. And those are Maryland's four wins. No way. They're fourth. They if might not even be in the top five, not even close, not even under consideration. Right. However, if Justin Fields, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave played for Maryland, then maybe they would. So I do think sometimes, because we would have been like, holy moly, have you seen some of these guys Maryland has? And the whole offseason, we would have been like, I can't believe Justin Fields transferred from Georgia to Maryland. Mike Loxley's a genius. He went to Texas and got this five-star kid. They moved him to the slot. Mike Loxley moved Garrett Wilson to the slot. He's changed the course of human history. I love Mike Loxley. So then maybe they would, because I think we do have to differentiate. A lot of people like to talk about, oh, it's just your reputation as a program. And I do think that factors in, and it shouldn't factor in at all. I do think it's okay for talent to factor in. And so Mm -hmm. the better teams are better because they have better talent. So if you're saying Ohio State's fourth because their jerseys are scarlet and gray and they have leaves on their helmets – No, that's not fair. If you're saying they're getting some benefit of the doubt because look at their stinking dudes. Have you seen their dudes? Have you seen the offensive line? Have you seen? Then that's a thing. And if, and if we're not blind, okay, Maryland doesn't have Ohio State's football history. If Maryland had Justin Fields, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, we would notice. We would notice. So Mm -hmm. I think you have to take that. And that to me is what's factoring in. Nathan, as you said, when Gary Barta says offensive firepower, that's just Gary Barta coming over to Stephen Means' Garrett Wilson corner. And Stephen come Means. Come on over. Open arms. Yes. Gary Barta, come join the fun. Come, just let's talk about Garrett Wilson. The and island that, is now a peninsula and growing. Plenty of room. There's a, there's the, the sea levels are actually around Garrett Wilson Island are lowering. They're not raising. No. They're not rising. They're lowering. Mm-hmm. So there's more area to stand. So there's plenty of room. Grab a nice cool drink. 
come to Garrett Wilson Peninsula. Steven, we'll be a colony pretty soon. Owner. Yep. All right. Let's do this. I don't want to take a break yet because we've only got an hour and 15 minutes and it's not time for the second break. What would it mean? I want to get in it. This is a natural break, but I said I'm not going to do it. It's the game. It's the Ohio State-Michigan game. It's the Ohio State-Michigan game. It has been played every year since 1918. They skipped. It wasn't quite an annual thing yet. They played in 1912. They didn't play for a couple of years. They started up again in 1918, and they played every year. They played during World War II. They played during everything. It might not be played. We'll get into the Nathan Baird scheduling plan that everybody is regretting and that he can gloat about and he justifiably can gloat about. But let's talk about the idea of the game not being played. And we'll get into some more texter answers here. That idea, Stephen, just thinking about that, the idea that maybe Ohio State and Michigan won't play this year, that the greatest rivalry in college sports will not be held. How does that make you feel? It means everything and absolutely nothing at the exact same time. Um, it means nothing because Ohio State's a playoff team, and so it doesn't necessarily do anything to hurt their chances with that. But it means everything because this is the biggest rivalry in sports, and it's you know that the last Saturday of the regular season at noon, right now on Fox, that you're going to be watching Ohio State Michigan, whether it was Woody and Bo, or it was Jim Trestle, or the Urban Meyer era, and now we have the Ryan Day era. I mean, from a fan's perspective, that's just weird. As a guy who grew up in Columbus, that's just weird that this game isn't what could, can potentially not be played on the last Saturday of the regular season, but they're not even played at all. So, and from that, as a fan perspective, it means everything, but just from a regular college football, one team trying to win a national championship doesn't really mean much, which is a weird way to put it, but this is a weird year. I think that's a good way to put it. And I do think a lot of it, the context is, what are you comparing it to? Is Ohio State, Michigan more important than Ohio State, Michigan State or Ohio State, Maryland or Ohio State, anybody else in the regular season? Yeah, of course it is. But then when you start expanding it beyond that, that's where it gets interesting. Nathan, what was your, what was your, I'll just say this. When it first cropped up, that this really cropped up on Wednesday of like, hey, Michigan's in trouble here. Michigan is canceling its game this weekend and Michigan's in trouble. It, I didn't have as visceral a reaction to the possibility of the Ohio State-Michigan game being wiped away. It wasn't as much as I thought it would be. And I didn't grow up in this game. I didn't grow up an Ohio State fan. I didn't grow up a Michigan fan. I watched it casually like every other sports fan. But I've covered it for 15 years, and I was kind of like, okay, well, that would be unfortunate, but like it would be okay, frankly. And I'm not saying that my opinion is like a fan's opinion, and the fans' opinions, and the players' opinions, and the coaches' opinions, and the parents' opinions. Those are the ones that matter the most. But, Nathan, what was your gut reaction to the possibility of no Ohio State-Michigan? I mean, really, it was more about the as we cover the team, the, the bigger concern was just the logistical problems that Ohio State might have with its schedule, as opposed to the la the loss of the tradition and, and all that stuff. And I think that just kind of goes back to why that rivalry has lost a little bit of its luster in general in recent years, because Ohio State keeps destroying them. And, and we saw that in some of the text for answers from the from the quiz or the survey that you sent out, because you're definitely not sending out homework, but the survey that you sent out, um, 
there were a lot of responses like that saying like, Hey, why, you know, uh, I love the game, but they were just going to destroy him anyway. So what does it matter if we play him, do whatever it takes to get Ohio state in the playoff. Are there any that you want to read of that? I know we haven't gone any, any kind of random questions yet. We said we might, and we still might do that, but are there any specific answers? And if you want to get those ready, I can give you this. I can reveal the text survey answers to the most interesting text survey question. I've, I've only got a couple here that I can, I can read through real quick. Here was someone who, um, who did want uh, the said the Michigan game is more important than playoffs from the nine three seven uh, because I have visions of 2018 when we got embarrassed. Our defense terrifies me similar to then. And I don't want it to be a blowout. If we finish four against what's looked to be a good Alabama team on both sides, I have worries. I can at the drop of a dime, put my bias. The Ohio state university is the greatest team at any time, but I have my doubts. So this is someone saying that um, they're actually just so concerned about Ohio state getting routed in the playoffs that they'd rather, um, play the Michigan game, I guess, then, um, then worry about whether they get in the playoff. But I think more to the point, um, a couple of people who are picking uh, the playoffs over Michigan uh, from the five, six, seven, um, I'd give a very slight edge to the playoffs. In my opinion, it's about 55% playoff, maybe 60% at the very most. For me personally, I would rather have a chance to beat Clemson than Michigan. I crave vengeance from last year's game. I, it would be, I would be content if I was to beat Clemson in the semifinal and somehow lost to Bama or Notre Dame in the national championship. Um, and from the 206, and this year I'd rather much win the Big Ten title than pound on a Michigan team that is down. 99 out of 100, I'd say Masker UM, but getting another quality win plus a conference title will help with bolstering the playoff resume. I think they were probably answering a couple of different questions, but that does give you some indication, and there were others, of people who, as much as they care about the Michigan game, were seeing maybe the bigger picture this year and that that doesn't override the other things Ohio State has at stake right now. Because what you're reading, even the person who said they would value the Michigan game more, that answer wasn't, I grew up watching the Ohio State-Michigan game with my grandma. It's the best day of the year. That wasn't, my cousins come over and we, you know, that, that, not that there weren't some answers like that and not that there aren't some people who feel like that, but I wonder, so there's two things that I wonder about, and then we'll get to the texture survey. One is... A game like Ohio State-Michigan is a family event, is a community event. It is a thing that you share with people. And in a world where we're not really supposed to share anything right now, does that lessen it? That like, well, I, I'm probably not – my cousins aren't supposed to come over anyway. So it's kind of going to be me sitting in my living room watching the game by myself. I can still talk about it with my friends and family afterward or during the game. But it's not – if you have a tradition that's wrapped up in – we always do this Ohio State-Michigan weekend. There's a decent chance even if it's played, you might not be able to do it. And the second thing is this is some proof to me, and we've had the argument over the last 15 years about the state of the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. I think maybe you can't kill something that's already dead. I think this is telling us something about – where this rivalry is. And I know they have a clock and I know you can't say Michigan and I know you can't wear a blue shirt. And I'm not saying it's lessened for the people in that building, but those people, that people in the building aren't listening to the podcast. Our Ohio State fans are listening to this podcast. There was not an outpouring of this game must be played because it's the game. And if Michigan was good or the game was close, or the rivalry was interesting, Stephen, wouldn't we be getting much more of that? We would be getting that for the sake of the game. The game is a thing, regardless of the playoffs, regardless of the Big Ten championship. And that's what we always hear. The game is the game no matter what. 
man, I think this, what we're experiencing right now is some degree of the game is not the game, no matter what, because Michigan hasn't been able to compete. And it's just as much as Ohio state fans love beating Michigan, they may also figure out they can live without it in a circumstance like that, because you know what, like, it's just not as interesting. Yeah. I I think we were talking about Alabama on the last podcast about, you know, them moving the Auburn game up a week. I think you would have seen something similar to that. And then Nathan's idea of maybe making it the first game of the year, just so it gets played. It gives that more, it puts more weight behind that because yeah, this game actually does matter because not only does it matter because they're rivals, but it matters in the landscape of who might win a national championship that year, because it's a 50, 50 chance on who's going to win this game, but that doesn't necessarily seem that's not the case anymore. And so it was, it was maybe easier to just make it the last week of the season and just knock on woods. You get to play it. But if it doesn't happen, Ohio state's still going to be competing for a national championship and Michigan's still going to lose two or three games or more at this point. So I don't want to go all the way down the road of when they should have played this game because I have that saved sort of for a wrap-up at the end. But just, Nathan, do you think there's less of a visceral reaction from fans than maybe we would have expected given that this is sort of – we've always believed it's sort of a rivalry for rivalry's sake, that, that no matter what, it's Ohio State-Michigan. Well, I think context is important. I think if we were in a regular season – where for some reason this game was getting canceled for maybe a similar reason or whatever, um, then I think the visceral reaction would be there. But I think this year it's the, the, all the other stuff trumps it. I think people, I think fans, even diehard Ohio State fans who really care about that game and really love rubbing it in Michigan's noses every year or rubbing Michigan's noses in it, I suppose. That's, that's how you do it, right? You don't want to actually pick up the poop. You rub their noses in it. Um, I think they, even right now, they they care more about the playoff. They care more even about just being able to play for a Big Ten championship than they do about extent, con, continuing this rivalry. Um, I think also I think but though partially because they just write off any any sense of competitiveness in it. So I think they think of it as just like well that's a throwaway win. It's like it's like okay well so we don't get to beat Rutgers again this year. So we don't get to beat Michigan State this year. We'll just play somebody else that week. I think that's. They quickly got there, and it's not because they, they – on a regular day, they don't equate those. But this year, these circumstances, this November – or December 2nd, with everything that's at stake and what's in front of them, I think that matters more than just keeping the tradition alive, especially because they know it just comes back next year too. And I think we found this out you know, when a lot of people were less open to the idea of a January season than I thought they might be. I was very open to the idea of a January season. Play – play your season you get all your rivalries in you play the michigan game and then you play the pac-12 champ in the rose bowl and you make your case and yeah you can't play for a national title but you get to have a college football season and you get to play a rival and a lot of people were like listen man if we can't compete for the playoff is it even worth it so i really think we're finding out that we are way down the road when you're an elite program for like ohio state we are it's not that it's not national championship or bust but i think it might be playoff or bust and i think it's just your all your focus is on that and any world where, and we've had these conversations before, would you rather beat Michigan and not win the national championship or win the national championship in a year you lose to Michigan? And I think we've had debates about that. I just don't think that's a debate anymore. You'd rather win the national championship. I mean, I think this, whatever, it wouldn't be a hundred percent of Ohio state fans. And I think maybe it was overwhelming before that people said they'd take the playoff man. It just feels like if you weren't sure where you were on this, it feels like we're really getting a sense of it right now because of answers like this. 
How will you feel if Ohio State Michigan isn't played? A lot of texter answers here. One more update because they keep coming in. Just got two more votes. The choices were, it's a disaster of historic proportions if it's not played. It stinks, but I'm more focused on the playoff. Or it's unfortunate, but this whole season is crazy. So one of, one of the answers is sort of more to like, well, the playoff matters more. And one of them is sort of like, listen, man, it's a pandemic. I'm not going to go crazy about anything. We're just trying to all get to the vaccine, right? I mean, I'm not going to lose my mind over a football game. So, Stephen, how many people said it's a disaster of historic proportions if there is no Ohio State-Michigan game this year? I think that got the least amount of votes. Um, I'd say maybe less than 15%. Nathan? I mean, I'm going to say like 3% based on what I was seeing today. 8%. I think I would have guessed it's going to be higher than 8% when I sent that out, given what we think we think of Ohio State, Michigan. First was it stinks, but I'm more focused on the playoff. That's yeah. 49%. Then it's unfortunate, but this whole season is crazy. That's 42%. And then eight, just 8% disaster of historic proportions. Because part of the disaster of historic proportions are, yes, it's a pandemic, but you would have had a chance to maybe play this if you had done something differently, right? Which again, we'll get into later. But you guys took us down this road. So let's do the head-to-head. Let's do the head-to-head of this, of playoff versus Michigan game. And this will not be a surprise to anybody, I think, given what we just heard. What is your first priority? Ohio State playing the Michigan game? Ohio State making the college football playoff? Or both are exactly equal? So, Nathan, what do you think was first, and what percent do you think it got? I think B, the playoff was first, and I'm going to guess about – 62%. So you say playoff is the first priority, 62%. Steven? Playoff, 85%. Playoff, 71%. So again, like right in between you guys. 71% playoff, 19% they're equal, 10% Michigan game. So that's seven to one. 19% are equal, but it's 71% to 10% for the people who had a preference. So Again, I, I don't know that I'm surprised, but I think we have to remember this, right? I mean, I, as we discussed, and like, I imagine, so, so let me ask this. Is this more a function of a playoff world and that as much attention as the playoff gets, this is just how fans at a place like Ohio State think? Or how much of this is a function of Michigan stinks and the rivalry isn't as good? Like, I think even if Michigan was as good as Ohio State, there still would be a decent number of people who would say my priority is still the playoff, but I think it would be closer to 71 10, right? Steven. So both are in yeah. play here. Yeah. I, I think it wouldn't be this overwhelming. I think the fact of when we're do, when we sent out the survey, you sent it out after we see Michigan's not very good. They're two and four while this whole entire season has been about Ohio state getting redemption because they lost to Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl last year. So that's, what's more important especially in this season specifically. And that could change over time and go back to maybe being more about Michigan. But in a year where Michigan is extremely terrible and we know who's going to win that game and it's about Ohio State picking its score. And it was about, you know, Ryan Day allegedly saying he was going to you know put 100 points on Michigan. And that was more of a conversation. What's more interesting is, hey, can we get back to the playoffs and beat Clemson? 
I mean, Ohio State fans want their resume to be better than it is right now, too. As much as we were just talking about how they might be safe in the top four, how many Big Ten teams would be better wins for Ohio State right now than Michigan would? Like six, seven at least? Yeah. yeah. Like Maryland would Literally. be. I mean, Maryland probably would be. I mean, I you can't go completely into the committee's Iowa, minds. But like, Iowa, Northwestern. You know, you know Indiana, Wisconsin, Wisconsin give, Northwestern, and Iowa would. All, all to four give of those Rutgers teams. a little bit of love, Rutgers. I mean, Michigan barely won that game, and Rutgers, you know, messed around with Ohio State, even if it, you know, annoyed everybody. I mean, they already, they already have box. that win. But, I mean, a the lot, wins yeah. they, they don't already have. Like Maybe know, Purdue. So, maybe Purdue. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot. Yeah, so it's, it's, it, that's the way to kind of think of it. Like, I think that Ohio State fans have started to kind of think about that too. It's like that game has value his, it, historically. Um, it, it's, it's, it is this, it's how you put the exclamation point on your 12 and 0, right? Or maybe you're 11 and 1 if you lose to Oklahoma and you're, st- or, or another great team and maybe you're still going to the, the playoff or whatever. It's not, important in the scheme of getting to the playoffs though i mean it's 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 just an it's the place it's the sign you see as you're passing by on the way to the playoffs anymore that's the impression i'm getting at least right now at least that's the way they're looking at 2020 and the other thing that would happen that would bring the rivalry back was if ohio state wasn't as good because the thing about ohio state is it has never been out of the playoff picture in the playoff era so show me the season where ohio state's two and two in september and their playoff hopes are dead already practically before they even get into the big 10 schedule. And all of a sudden the Michigan game is the most important thing you got going. Cause it's like, well, maybe they'll make the big 10 championship, but even if they win the big 10 championship, they're not going to the playoff. So now you want to go to the Rose bowl, but now you're bringing the Michigan game back in. Well, all right, mm-hmm. Michigan, especially if Michigan was good. Now, if you can ruin Michigan season, cause your season, you're not going to make, and that just hasn't ever happened since we went to this format. So that would bring it back in too. It's funny. The issue right now is the disparity. If Michigan was better, it would change it. But also if Ohio State was worse, it would change it. Because then what else do you got? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying very early on, that like when it comes to these championship or the, the, the rivalry week games, it's it's easy for us to dismiss them relative to Ohio State's championship potential, playoff potential or whatever. But if they didn't have that, then this would be the biggest game of the year. It'd be bigger than any bowl game. It'd be bigger than whatever. It, this would be it. So I think that's something for people to keep in mind as they look at some of these other games and, and what could happen next week. So I do, I, I am a little, still a little surprised and I think we just have to remember it. So um, let's, we want to talk about scheduling and there's a playoff point, a bigger playoff point I want to get into. And then I think we'll just save them to the end. We will get to a, a couple rapid fires about other things at the end, just to have a little bit of dose at the end. If you're getting tired of this talk, come just hang on for the last 15 minutes and we'll get to that. First, we'll take our final break. The Big Thursday podcast, if you want to be part of it and ask questions and take part in surveys, I showed the survey mechanism to the Browns texting people today because they have really not been using it. They thought it was cool. So it's like this, these the chance to do these surveys is, is really one of the favorite things that I think for me has developed because – you guys are our focus group. And it's like, we would pay. I keep saying this. I end up like making the case of why we should pay them. But it's like, you pay people to be in a focus group. What do Ohio State fans really think? I can't think of a better group of Ohio State fans than the hundreds and hundreds of texters that we, we have who are dedicated, smart, invested in this. And then they let us know how people are thinking. And it changes my mind. This podcast would have been different without this text survey. I would have been much more like, oh, my gosh, they can't, they're not, they might not play Michigan. It's the end of the world. And the texters told me it's not the end of the world. 
And I found that interesting. 614-350-3315. You get the breaking news there, the instant analysis, the recruiting updates, the surveys. Come join us for a 14-day free trial. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, a last playoff question, and then we'll let Nathan gloat about how he wanted to schedule Ohio State-Michigan for the first game of the year, and I thought he was nuts. That's Nathan's favorite part of the podcast. My favorite part of the podcast are the surveys. His favorite part on when he or when he was right and I was wrong. We should make it a segment. Nathan was right. Doug was wrong. Steven was right. Doug was wrong. Kirk Herbstreet said this recently. And then we wanted, we forgot to get into the part where Nathan destroyed Kirk Herbstreet. I'm worried about the sport overall. I'm worried about the focus strictly on the playoff. That if you're not one of the playoff teams, why does it even matter? Who cares? And then Rainier Sabin, who used to cover Alabama and now is a really good uh, Michigan writer, retweeted that and said, Nick Saban has said this for a while, pretty much since the advent of the college football playoff. Saban can usually spot trends before other coaches in his profession, which is why he's Nick Saban. So is this – here we are talking about how the playoff is so much more important than Ohio State-Michigan. We saw – I think part of what Curb Street was maybe talking about here is we saw some more opt-outs this week. LSU opt-outs, Texas opt-outs. It's like, well, all right. I mean, our seasons aren't that good. They lost some good players. They're opting out. We had talked about that beforehand. I said before the season, the guys who have a chance to win a national championship, I don't think they'll opt out. But everybody else, it's like, well, what are you you really playing for? You're playing with your teammates. You're trying to get to a bowl. But really, I don't know. Like, is any of this showing? In the pandemic, again, we've talked about it. Sometimes you find things out more during a crisis. Have we reached a point, Nathan? Are, are we seeing that this sport is too playoff driven? And if it is, what can be done about it? it, it I'm hesitant to say for sure yes, just because I think so much of what's happening in 2020 can, may be exclusive to 2020. The opt-outs some of that stuff, even what we're talking about right now with this Ohio State game, and it, this wouldn't be a discussion except for the pandemic that cost them all these other games. So I understand where they're coming from. Um, I, I guess I understand that why people but but it's almost been I don't know, it's like the reason why there's more focus on the playoff is because when four teams can make it instead of two, there's more teams that could make the playoff every year. It's like you've made it you've made it more accessible to people, which is one of the reasons why it's I think more of a playoff of a focus than it was before. And if you expand it again, there's going to be even more people to think they have a legitimate chance to get in. I have a very specific point about that, but Steven, what do you think? Is it too playoff driven? And if so, what could be done? It's playoff driven. I don't think it's too playoff driven because I don't think that's a bad thing. I get it. This is college sports and, you know, pride in your school and playing with your brothers and the brotherhood and all that stuff is great, but, this is sports. These kids want to compete for a national championship. And I mean, we've seen opt-outs of bowl games even before this year. Denzel Ward did it for for heaven's sake. And in a year where it's risk your health and get COVID or sit out, quarantine, be away from everybody else and prepare for the NFL draft and not lose five games and maybe, or maybe only win three of them. I think the option is, especially during a pandemic, the safer option, which is just go prepare for the NFL draft like Jamar Chase is doing. This is not 
it's not it's not a bad thing that players want to win national championships and don't really, really care that much about the other all these other bowls that are more about the money than they are about you know winning a, any trophy of some court, sorts. But it didn't used to be that way. It used to it, be a thing. We're the it, sugar it bowl used champs. to be a thing. We're the and, Rose Bowl champs. We're the yeah. The, you're right, and the, the, this was back before, even before BCS era, when that was the most important thing to your school was winning that bowl game. But also, there was probably a time when players didn't commit to a school only because they know that specific assistant coach can get them to the NFL the way Chase Young came to Ohio State for it. Well, so, there was also a know. time when coaches didn't make twelve million dollars a year too. So maybe Nick Saban needs to <laughs> be careful what he's wishing for here a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's it's part of the, it, that's part of what has happened here. Like there are things about the sport has changed over time. It has evolved over time, and um, I don't know that I necessarily think that it was better back when um, you decided a champion by just uh, everybody played out their season and a bunch of people voted on it. I like the fourteen playoff. I've always advocated for the four-team playoff i think the four-team playoff is a gazillion times better than the two-team playoff and maybe i should have thought about this before but i never really have this factor of it in considering this but i do think the four-team playoff four teams is the exact number to screw this up because when it's just two teams when we had the bcs it was like well mike there's only two teams that get in like you can be awesome and still not get in and have a chance to play for a national title. So how can you only focus on the national title? You're what you're going to be one of two teams and everybody else is irrelevant. So you didn't have such a focus on it because it was only two. And you were going to jump from like six to two or, you know what I mean? In the last week. And it was like, well, if you weren't undefeated, you probably weren't going to get in. And so what, you're going to bail on your season when you're undefeated. So let's go try to win the Rose bowl. Let's go try to win the orange bowl. Let's go try to get the 10 wins and go win the Citrus Bowl. Like that had a little more to it because it was like, well, the, the playoff was on a mountaintop. That's only two teams. Four teams is just enough to give everybody enough hope to allow you to focus on it more. If you had 16 teams, there would be so much hope that there wouldn't be as many people maybe opting out or not worrying about stuff because now the playoff is like, well, now you want to be one of the 16. So I think if it was two, you wouldn't have this is the playoff killing college football. And if you had eight or 16, you wouldn't have is the playoff killing college football. Four is the exact number to kill college football in this way. And this makes me think, this might be a reason for expanding the playoff. That if it feels like it's all about the playoff and that means there's only really like 12 or 16 teams that are even thinking about the playoff coming in and only four get in, then you just killed everybody else. You just took away everybody else's motivation. You took away the fun. Took away the reason that you wake up in the morning at five o'clock in the morning to lift weights in the winter. If you don't care about winning the Citrus Bowl anymore, or trying to get the nine wins, that that's not enough, then trying to get into a 16-team playoff field, man, that's enough. That gets everybody interested. You know who's interested if there's a 16-team playoff field? Indiana. You know who's interested? Oklahoma State. You know who's interested? South Carolina. They're firing Will Muschamp because they're thinking, man, we think the new guy can flip it in two years and get us into the 16-team playoff. Coastal Carolina. You know who's interested? Cincinnati. BYU. Yeah. yeah. Eight, 
eight gives enough parody where it's now, not ridiculous though because the, to your point the problem with four is regardless of what sport it is there's usually only four to five to six teams who have a legitimate shot at winning a national championship every year that doesn't matter the sport but once you're in the playoff anything can happen i mean we've seen four seeds win it we've seen two se- one seeds win it and so if you go to eight or 16 where you know who your actual favorites are, but once you get in there and get on the field, I mean, you know, a 15 can upset a two because it could just, they could just be better that day. It adds more reach for stuff for people to care about. It would lessen Ohio state's regular season. Cause give me a year when Ohio state wouldn't make a 16 team playoff. They'd be in, they'd be in before yeah. they played their first game, but then maybe that freedom opens you up to care more about other things. Cause it's like, well, we're in the playoff anyway, let's enjoy the regular season. But this, I just hadn't thought about this. I just hadn't thought about what are you telling? Are you ruining the seasons of the ninth through 30th best teams in the country? Cause they don't have anything to play for. I, I, so I see where you're coming from there. But as someone who had had covered another program who never, ever, ever was in the national championship discussion, I can tell you that what also happens is right now that there is kind of a, a narrow tunnel of teams that that might apply to the way you're talking about, because then there's a whole bunch of other teams that once they lose their second game of the year, which happens in the first six games, even before that, they're not thinking about it. really the national championship. It's not of a realistic concern. So their season, their, their, their existence almost exists outside of that. Their only influence on the playoffs is if they get to do what Purdue did to Ohio State a couple years ago and spoil it. But other than that, they're not in it. They're on the outside of it. So that's the other thing to remember here, too, is that there already is a big portion of college football that sort of exists without really thinking about the college football playoff because it's unattainable to them. But what is an 8 or 16 team playoff wouldn't hurt Purdue. No, no, no. There, there it does. It would help them. Yes. But right now, as far as the four, I don't know that the four is a whole lot different right. than the two for a huge chunk of college football. For right. For if there's 130 teams, probably for 90, the two to four doesn't matter. Right. But I think maybe for like teams eight through 40, it does matter. And it somehow has lessened their attention and what they strive for because they think maybe they should be at the edge of the playoff discussion and then nobody talks about it and nobody cares anymore if you win the Capital One Bowl. And so they don't think it's as cool as they used to think that there was something to strive for. I just, it's not a new conversation, but if it's coming to a head, if the playoff focus right now, because of the pandemic, it's more playoff focused than ever. If it's coming to a head, it maybe it really, a guy like me say, you know what, maybe if we go to eight or 16, it's like the wild card in baseball. You just get more fan bases care longer. Maybe you get more fan bases and, and more players and coaches to really be invested. And then you'd have to balance the regular season. So you're not putting, putting too much on the bodies of brains of the unpaid amateurs, but you figure it out. And just like I think championship weekend for the big 10 is cool because it would give everybody a game to play at the end of the year. And you have some anticipation. What's your matchup? Hey, we want to play in the, the three seed game and not the five seed game to be a version of that and then all of a sudden just like making the playoff would be a thing even if you're a 15 seed and you get killed by the two seed you'd be like we made the playoff you hang a banner about that and that would be steven significant that's a better bang banner to hang in oklahoma state 2023 playoff team as opposed to 2023 sun bowl champion and it's almost something you can build on in recruiting 
because if you're if you're a coach and you come into a program and you've built it to a point where because of the talent that was already on the roster, you've kind of, you know, topped out and maybe you were the 14 seed and you lost. Well, now in the recruiting, maybe it, it ups and you have two or three straight classes that are top 10 classes randomly because you just told all these recruits, hey, we're there almost there and you're what we're missing. And you do that a couple more times and now, yeah. Now maybe you are in a position for a year or two to compete for a national championship instead of just being a 15 or 14 seed in the playoff. There's no basketball coach in the country that would tell you with a straight face, hooked them up to a lie detector, that they would rather win an NIT championship than make the NCAA tournament lose in the first round. At all. There, none of them would usually even say it in a in trying to BS you in an interview because they know that's going to get to a recruit. Someone's going to say, do you hear that? They only want to go to the NIT. So it's it, the same thing would apply to football. All right, Nathan, tell everybody how you roasted Herbie. Look, I didn't roast. <laughs> I don't know that I roasted Herbie. It's just like he said an incredibly stupid thing, uh, an incredibly reckless and irresponsible thing, saying that he thought that, uh, that Michigan was going to wave the white flag and use COVID as an excuse not to play the game and, and screw Ohio State out of the sixth game that he needed. Um, and I don't know that he had to have his arm twisted that much to then come back a few minutes later and post his, like, selfie hostage video that he had to make an apology um but i used it as it wasn't just so much roasting herbie it was something i talked about on madness a couple weeks ago just i'm just i gotten so tired of these coronavirus conspiracy theories that everybody has and you mentioned it before the example the maryland example was the perfect one how many people there were on twitter some of them i think even media people who were coming out and just and lambasting maryland and saying what a bunch of chickens they were and and how irresponsible they were for canceling their game before they hit the thresholds and um and saying they couldn't play that weekend and then not two weeks later ohio state has to do the exact same thing not a peep from any of those people and then now michigan does the same thing and now everybody immediately puts no motive on ohio state having done it but assumes sinister motive for michigan having done it it's just a, it, it's the inconsistency of thought and the childishness of it frustrated me. And so I, it, it, I kind of just turned on the fire hose last night. And when Dabo Sweeney did it, you know, it was how dare he talk about during a pandemic right now, how dare he make it about a football thing? Well, Dabo Sweeney, who d- did the stupid thing that caused his game yeah. to get canceled, to, to end up getting canceled. That was the reason why Florida State wouldn't play that game. Then he turned around and tried to blame Florida State. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Kirk Herbstreit does like, I'm hearing around college football, it just so happens that his sons play for Dabble Swinney. So the thing that I think is true, and then we can move on to the last couple things. I would believe that college coaches are saying this, that college coaches believe Mm -hmm. that there are some teams who are canceling games under the guise of COVID, but actually they just don't want to play. I would go so far as to say it has happened that some, there has been at least one game that that has happened in, but it's not a rampant thing. Well, but the main point is don't listen to college football coaches about anything that has to do with anything other than football because they don't know jack squat because they'll tell you that. You ask them a question about the world at large. It's like, hey, we're just in this building trying to get ready for the next game. They take pride in it, and it's true. They don't have time, and they view the entire world through a football lens. So you try to tell them, well, this team is not going to play because they're worried their players might get sick. It's like, ah, they're just afraid of us. But that they're football coaches. They're focused on one thing and they're very, very busy. Just don't repeat it. It's invalid. When it comes to something like that, it's just complaining. It's just them venting to Herbie about it. Don't repeat it. And nobody should believe them. They have no idea what they're talking about. 
go talk to the team doctors and the epidemiologists and the, the health experts on their campus who are like, oh yeah, no way should they be playing right now. I follow, I follow um, an epidemiologist who works at Ohio State on Twitter who when all this was happening the week of Illinois and they were still going to play was like, there's no way they should be playing. This person was tweeting that they're an employee, they're a professor, they're an employee at Ohio State. They're like, there's no way that it's not safe for them to play. And then when they finally canceled the Illinois game, they're like, this is the exact right decision to make. If you really want to know how football teams and like the health side of it, and when you should and shouldn't cancel, don't ask the football coach. So it's just, it's just a football discussion that Herbie put out into the world and it was irresponsible to do it because of course they're venting to you. Oh, well, I think them boys are afraid to play us. It's like, actually, um, they have COVID and it, might make them sick so well and i also don't think like it doesn't make it doesn't make logical sense that michigan is trying to chicken out of the ohio state game this year it just it doesn't to me first of all i don't think of that of jim harbaugh he doesn't come across to me as a coward he's a weirdo he's absolutely a weirdo we've talked hours on this podcast about how much of a weirdo he is but i don't think he's a coward i think he's ultra competitive and frankly if if the last thing you saw as michigan was the second half of that ohio state indiana game don't you think why why isn't this the year that michigan could catch them especially under these circumstances. So you take these week, this week off and try to, uh, that was a conspiracy theory that almost made sense to me. You take this week off yeah. and, and, and be even healthier and even w- whatever better for next week when you take your shot at Ohio State. Okay, that was good. Make sure people go read that, what Nathan had to write about that. Last couple quick questions. This one I should have done at the top and I didn't. I'll just read the responses very quickly. What has been your general level of concern about the Ohio State football season since the Illinois game was canceled? This also affected my view of how Ohio State fans are thinking here. The choices were, I was freaked out, worried the season was over, and I'm still worried. Again, this was sent Wednesday afternoon after the news of Michigan canceling the Maryland game. I was freaked out, worried the season was over, but I'm feeling better with the Ohio State news of the last two days, that Ohio State's back at practice and you've come off the ledge a little bit. I figured it would somehow all work out and they'd still have a playoff shot that like, even when you heard the news that Illinois was canceled, like it's going to be okay. And then there, it's a pandemic. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I'll just accept whatever happens. So that's just sort of like keeping football in perspective of the big picture. And again, the two freaked out answers were the bottom two. The number one answer really? was number one answer was I figured it would work out that, okay, Illinois is canceled, but you know what? It's going to be okay. 36%. Second Ooh. was the pandemic, the role with the pandemic, keep it in perspective. That answer was 27%. So that means that 63%, two thirds of the people were like not freaking out when Ohio State had the game canceled for the second time. Freaked out, but feeling better, 26%. Freaked out, still worried, 11%. I would have thought maybe freaked out would have gotten, freaked out and feeling better would have gotten 60%. Freaked out and still worried would have gotten 30%. And the other two would have gotten 10% combined. Two thirds of the people like rolling with the punches, keeping it in perspective, which again has affected my view of how I'm talking on this podcast. So Steven, you're surprised by those answers. Yeah. I thought still worried, honestly would have won because I, I think Ohio state's very strategic with, when they do this, they put out more photos today at the practice as we already saw. And none of those pictures have Justin Fields in them. And so as a normal fan, who's probably looking at those pictures 
And you're probably thinking, show us Justin Fields, please, Ohio State, show us Justin Fields in pads, and then you calm down. But I don't think – I would think that nobody, no fan would calm down until they, until they see Ohio State take the field on Saturday, but also they see Justin Fields in pads in East Lansing on Saturday just because everything rides on those two things happening. Nathan, are you surprised by these answers? Not really, just from, again, having gone back through the, the – I didn't read the, the – the, I didn't see the survey results, but going back through the text, that was just more, I think, the impression that I'm getting. There's definitely people who – I mean, we're getting texts early in the week of people who are like, listen, stop with the updates. Just tell me at 11.30 on Saturday whether they're playing or not. And then there's other people who are like, you know, breathlessly like, tell me now what's going on, who's – you know. So the, the, there is a varied opinion, but I, I think people have a grasp of this. And I think people have realized now in retrospect that this is what everybody signed up for. This chaos is what we signed up for. It's happening to Ohio State at the end of the season, whereas it happened to Wisconsin at the beginning of the season. And it hasn't happened to some teams at all because they had good luck instead of bad luck. But this is what we all signed up for. This is what playing this football season during the pandemic with the rules that not just the Big Ten has, but other programs have the big tens are more strict but this is what everybody signed up for it's going to be messy and that it's just this is how messy it's gotten for ohio state all right last two survey questions this is about when the ohio state michigan game should have been scheduled before the season i well however many times the schedule came out i always wanted it to be the last game of the season and sort of like thinking well you know what like if you get to the last game of the season and you can't play it it's probably a screwed up season anyway but put it where it belongs last game of the season Nathan, would you like to briefly share what you thought? I was among those who thought that it should be played early in the season. In fact, I was most strongly advocating for playing it the first week of the season because I thought there you could, while you had to lose some of the tradition of the season finale, and at the time we didn't know the the fact that it wouldn't be on Thanksgiving, you lost that tradition, but now you got to make it the season opener. You got to give it a new tradition for just this one year, kind of still preserve some of the pageantry around it. But then it was most likely to preserve playing the game at all was having it week one. And that that was, if, if, if this game was that important, that it was more important that every, and at the time, I think we were first having this argument. We didn't know there would be no fans in the stadium too. But at the time we're thinking like, if you're an Ohio state student and a Michigan student, this is, you don't want that hole to be in your life, your career, whatever. Like this was my last chance to go see an Ohio state Michigan game. And it could have been week one and I could have been there, but instead they put it week, 12 week eight whatever and it got wiped out so i i always advocated that week one was the thing that made the most sense if you really wanted to protect the game and that would have been from the standpoint of because whenever a game got wiped out there's no flexibility in the schedule so you couldn't have you know play it early and then you can make it up later once they came out with the, the last schedule that wasn't at play but just the idea of well probably early in the season which turned out to be true you might be able to play more games early in the season wisconsin was the exception but it's going to get worse. The, the virus is going to get worse the deeper into the fall we get, which is what we're seeing right now. It worked so either way, early. that either the, the greater mm-hmm. chance of the cancellation would come later or during the first schedule, you had more chances to move it back. So, and during the first schedule, it was in the middle of the season. It wasn't right. the last game because they were trying to give some of the wiggle room. Once there was no wiggle room, I think they said, well, what the heck, we'll just put it at the end. As it turns out, if they had scheduled the Ohio State-Michigan game in week four, in week six or in week seven, it would have been canceled. No, that's not right. No, just, four, four just, wouldn't have because yeah, they didn't that have was Maryland. 
Yeah, so just week this week, six, week, week, week six and seven. So now it might be canceled week eight, but six or seven wouldn't have worked either, as it turned out. But eight might not work out. This was the question. Before the season started on October 24th, when did you think the Ohio State-Michigan game should be played? 66% said last game of the schedule. Two-thirds before the season wanted it in the last game, just like me, 66%. 24% said early in the schedule, which would have been what Nathan said. 10% said middle of the schedule, which, you know, it's kind of anything between whatever, weeks three through six or something. So still two-thirds won it last game. Next question. Now that we're at this point with Ohio State Michigan for next week in doubt, when do you think the Ohio State Michigan game should have been played? Still, the number one answer is last game of the schedule. But instead of 66%, it's 46%. Early in the schedule is now 41%. It rises from 24. Middle of the schedule, 14%, up a little bit from 10%. So in the end, Still, nearly half the people would have kept it right where it is, knowing this is the deal. And, you know, 60%, 64% would have wanted it moved. Steven, does that surprise you? I'm not surprised that a lot of people wanted it the last game early on. And frankly, I think my answer is last game, last game. And mm-hmm. that it's a crazy season. Keep the tradition. Cross your fingers. Who knows? So it doesn't shock me. And a 20% drop sounds about right, about right to me. But what do, you th- what do you think of those answers? Yeah, I'm not surprised by it. That would have been my answer as well because one just – I mean, it's just a tradition. But also, it, it, it might not get played, but there's still the chance that it might get played, which is when you have no wiggle room, you want to give it as much time as possible for it to get played. But also, as we talked about earlier, it doesn't matter as much to Ohio State – in terms of what it actually wants to accomplish. And so no one's going to say it doesn't matter as their answer, but because it's not, you know, the most important thing to what Ohio State wants to accomplish this year, you might as well just keep it where it is. And I think part of the answer is if it's not the last week, it loses a little something anyway. So, all right, put it the last week. It'll either be traditional and awesome and exactly what it's supposed to be, or you won't play it. But, you know, like you're kind of saying, it's not as important as it used to be, but you're already losing something by playing it earlier. But we did see about saw a 17-point swing, Nathan, of people mm-hmm. towards you. Do you think there should have been even more votes for play it early as we're staring the possibility of not playing it in the face? Are you, like, scratching your head of these people saying, like, why isn't 100% play it early in this season? Or do you understand where people are coming from? I understand where people are coming from, but I disagree still. I, I think, I mean, if, if you were sitting here right now and the question was whether or not Ohio State was going to get to play Nebraska this week or and they already had the Michigan game played this year, I don't know. I just feel like that I, – I do think – now, although we did talk about, I guess, how much people don't care that much about the game, but if that's the case, we weren't asking the question at all, right? So there obviously still is value to that game. And if you played it week one, you're, you're, you'd still be getting to this point of the season with a chance to have more of what you wanted from 2020 intact. Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, I don't want to, we, we've talked about a lot of this stuff already. So um, I think a 20 point swing in Nathan's favor, whatever, I think you'll take it. I think you'll, I think that's not bad for Baird, but you were right. And you wrote it and, and you did a thing that I like to do, which is when you're right, retweet that you were right. <laughs> and subtweet Say, the receipts. people that you think were wrong. <laughs> Yeah, 
I wrote this in July. <laughs> in case you want to read it now, here it is. Nathan Baird. All right. We said we were going to do rapid fire stuff. Nathan, can we do two? Do you have, you did the work to pull up these rapid fire. And what I think we're going to do is we're going to throw some of these rapid fire into the picks and preview pod because it's Michigan yep. State. Who knows? We haven't yeah. talked to anybody all week. I mean, I don't, we're not going to offer some fantastic breakdown of the Ohio State, Michigan State battle. So we'll do rapid fire as part of the picks and preview pod. So thanks to everybody who sent in the questions. We will use more of them. But Nathan, we're over two hours. Let's give them a little taste. Kind of maybe a nonsense question, maybe a, a football-related question. Um, from a football-related question, oh, I think this is a good one. And I don't know if it probably deserves more discussion, but I think it's a good thing to think of in the context of this weekend. So this is from the 614, but there were several people who asked something like this. Even if OSU makes the playoffs by some miracle, and I don't know if I would call it a miracle, how much of a disadvantage is the shortened season for OSU? We didn't get a chance to work out issues. And there were multiple people who asked. We're all talking about whether OSU is going to get in or not, but this shortened season compared to teams that now will have been able to have played twice as many games as them going into the playoff is Ohio state at a disadvantage that it is, it had to play just such a truncated jumbled season, as opposed to teams who maybe are in just a better flow and have some more momentum going into the playoffs or that have just had more reps and are going to be playing at a higher level. Yeah. I, I think it's an issue if they don't get to play either the Michigan state or Michigan game, because I, I, I think we've had this discussion before. I think Josh Proctor is going to be the starting uh, single high safety the next time we see this game, see this team play. And if the only time we get to see that in a game before the playoff is during championship weekend, that's not enough in-game reps starting there, not even to mention all the other spots that might have some personal changes or may not have personal changes. But if Josh Proctor only has one game um, and it's the two weeks before he has to play a playoff game where he's getting meaningful snaps at single high safety – and they're playing Clemson again in a two, three matchup. They're going to run into a similar situation as last year where he might be out of position and Trevor Lawrence is running for a 60 yard touchdown. I don't think it's an issue. I think you can swing the question the other way and say, does Ohio state have an edge? Cause they're more rested because they didn't have to play as much. They aren't worn down. They're super fresh. And as we talk about a lot on this podcast, one of the best looks Josh Proctor or anybody in that secondary is going to get is from Justin Fields, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave in practice. Yeah. So, and I think most of this team, linebackers, they're fine. Defensive line, fine. Offensive line, fine. Tight ends, fine. Receivers, fine. Quarterback, fine. Running back, turns out it's pretty fine. So really, it's a secondary question. Are you not working it out in the secondary? Sean Wade, he's fine. Seven banks, he's fine. Just like in the terms of, are you changing the season for any of those guys by playing 11 games instead of six or seven? Yeah. I, I think it, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Stephen. I just think it might be the only position where it's true. And so you got to figure yeah. out the safety spot in practice. You got to get the dude ready, whoever it's going to be. But the rest of it, man, I'll tell you what, you know, who's going to feel pretty good for the playoff? Wyatt Davis is going to feel fresh. You know, who's going to feel fresh comparatively? Tommy Togia is going to be ready to roll. Like, you, I mean, those guys, you think if they're in a, in a, in a 12 game, 11 game, 10 game season, maybe Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togia aren't playing two thirds of the defensive tackle snaps because they got to keep them fresh. So I just think you can spin it either way, more reps, more experience versus more rest. And I just don't think it's going to be a factor. I will be, I do not think that Ohio state would get to the playoff and lose and that either we or they would look at the loss and say, man, we lost because we weren't ready because we didn't play enough games. 
I just don't think that's how it'll unfold. I think the most important thing at the end of this, if Ohio State makes the playoff, could be when we look back and say that they did not, they missed one extra game. They missed the Illinois game. They did not miss any more practices. They didn't miss a single practice rep that they would have yeah. taken otherwise. I think that could end up being huge if they play this week and if they somehow play some kind of game next week and there are no more interruptions. I think we could look back at that and say that was as important as whether they got another game in. That they didn't, that they got in all of those reps, those that instruction, that meeting time, all that stuff was still pretty much intact. Especially to the the best passing attack they're going to face between now and the playoff is in practice. So yeah, they've already faced the only other good passing attack that was on their schedule. So here's 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 a I'm going to we're going to do two nonsense. Here's here's a quick one. Um, A week late on this, but from the three three zero best and worst Thanksgiving sides. So we, we do, um, I know every family has their own approach to mashed potatoes. Like, what do you put on that? We are a noodles family. My mom makes incredible noodles. Like you use the broth that comes out of the turkey and she makes the noodles from scratch. They're, they're oh. incredible. That's, that's by far my favorite thing. Um, I think that's what makes Thanksgiving dinner for me every year. Um, and I used to like, I used to probably would say cranberry sauce because I never really got the whole coming out of the jar and everything, the can, and it just plops out on the plate. Oh, but we started making our own. We started making our own the last couple of years. It's fantastic. So now, I don't even know if I have a, a least favorite Thanksgiving side. It's all legit. I don't like gravy on anything. Um, I Me put either. cinnamon on my, yeah, I put cinnamon on my mashed potatoes for the flavor. Gravy just seems like it ruins, it makes everything soupy. And if I want something to be soupy, I'll just eat some soup. I think you're getting some bad gravy. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to hook you up with some premium gravy. It might be too late for me. I, I like dry things. So like I like dry food. I like dry turkey. I don't want it to be moistened by gravy. So this is like a very specific weird answer. But if you don't want specific weird answers, don't ask nonsense questions. I mean, you guys understand the pot by this point. There is a particular type of corn, and I've been reading about it because I ordered it online. My mom always made it when I was growing up in Pennsylvania. She always mails it to me so that I can have it at Thanksgiving and Christmas, because if I don't have it at a holiday meal, it feels weird to me. But my mom is like locked in her in her home and like is not going out to the grocery store. So she couldn't mail me the corn because it's only from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania corn from like Amish country in Pennsylvania. And it is called John Cope's dried corn. It is like it's a bag of corn that is like freeze dried almost, not freeze dried, but just like dried out. And then you have to soak it in water and cook it. And it has like a nutty flavor kind of. My wife who is from Iowa, land of plentiful corn, calls it tortured corn. And my wife and my two children make fun of me for eating it. But I ordered it, I found a website. It was, it's called PA General Store. It's like weird Pennsylvania food that only people from Pennsylvania like. And I ordered two bags of it one for Thanksgiving, one for Christmas. I made it myself. I ate the whole, I, so I have like supposed to be six servings. I ate it all myself on Thanksgiving day. My, the rest of my family will not touch it. It is delicious. It is like a nutty, spiced, spiced, flavorful corn that I cannot have a traditional holiday meal without. So, and there's even like an Amish guy on the bag with like a long beard and a flat black hat. John Cope's dried corn. I would recommend it to anyone. And if there is even one podcast listener who tries it after hearing this, I will be happy. And this, this kind of plays along with it to close it out from the 419. If in a big, if the game happens, my buddies and I are celebrating Justin Fields that week and going vegan in his honor. Do any of you three want to join us? 
What do you eat? What? <laughs> you can eat there's that big bag lot. of corn. There, there's you a just lot go order some more corn. You just got to start shopping at Whole Foods. They have a lot of plant-based chickens and meatballs and all that stuff. Honestly, when you're eating it, it's just you're hungry a lot more often, so you snack a lot. Because you don't have the protein as much, right? Right, so you're not filling yourself up. So you have to find healthy snacks so you're not just eating any old type of thing. But, yeah, it's not. It's difficult the first couple of months, especially when wait, you're not. Wait, 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 wait. Are you vegan right now? Yeah, I haven't had meat in forever. Before I started it at the yeah, I started at the beginning of the quarantine, just because I was sitting at home, and so it's like, why not try it out? Like in March? Yeah. You haven't had meat since March. I have not. I feel like you should write a Justin Fields story based on the fact, like Kyle Rowland from the Toledo Blade wrote a vegan story. He was yeah. like, somebody cooked me vegan food, but you are actually living a vegan life. Yeah, he stole my thunder, um, Justin. No, did. he didn't. No. Yeah. Oh, oh, Justin stole your thunder? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, when Justin... did Justin start his? When did Justin start his? Who's been vegan longer, you or Justin? That's a good question. I, he, he said he started it at the beginning of the summer because his family was doing it, and he just wanted to get involved, and then he yeah, just got used to it, which is yeah, how it happens. Yeah, you, you start it, and then you just get used to it and never go back. Do you miss meat? Do you find yourself missing meat? Um, the first couple of months, I, I, I like chicken, so I really miss that. Uh, I probably miss mac and cheese more than anything else. Oh, because like no uh, dairy products either, right? Yeah. All right, so what do you um, eat? Tell us like what you ate today. Now we're going three hours. What oh did God. you eat today? So I go to Whole Foods. Um, that's where I shop. There's a Whole Foods near my apartment. Um, and I get these plant-based chicken tenders. And I have these plant-based meatballs. Um, I have the Impossible Burgers. I tried the, uh, the vegan cheese. I hated it. It was awful. So I just don't eat the, the cheese on it anymore. I just eat the burger. Um, and I just kind of rotate between that. We have my air, my roommate's mother got him an air fryer. So like, we don't use our oven at all anymore. We just use the air fryer. And yeah, I, I still eat like rice and like corn and broccoli and stuff like that. But it's just the meat I eat is not actual meat. Air fryers are legit, by the way. I love it. We have one oh, too. It. It's spectacular. It might be my favorite so thing. Good. might be our favorite wedding present we got. Yeah. It was, Other than awesome. our dog, our dog was technically a wedding present. But... No, dog is delicious fryer. in an air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> if i ever come back to meat i'll be sure to try that first <laughs> i made boneless wings in the air fryer the other day um so you, so you steven you do you are replacing meat you are not just like only eating vegetables and stuff you yeah, are no, eating no, no. plant-based meat type things it, and it tastes it, it it's not obviously you know it's not meat but it tastes enough like it that you don't you know it's not disgusting. It's not tofu. It tastes enough like meat that you can get by with it. Why did you do it? Um, I just wanted to see if I could, see if I like it. One, also to just be healthier. When you're sitting in the house and um, the places you work out at are no longer open and you can't go, you know, be as active as you want to be, you got to find some other ways to stay healthy so that when I'm, you know, 55, I don't look like a bowling ball. Do you feel healthier? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel lighter, honestly. I don't feel as sluggish. Um, there are some non-peachy things I also feel, but, you know, I'm not going to go in there because it's more bathroom-related, but we won't, go down. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't go, we won't go down that road. But, yeah, oh, okay. I, feel light, I feel lighter. I, I do feel – I feel a little lighter. All right, so you, Nathan, you have not gone surreptitiously vegan. 
on us though i have not no we'll, we'll sprinkle it in a couple times like we'll have yeah. but it's like for us it's like we'll have a couple nights a week where we try to do something meatless but it's certainly not a round the clock lifestyle for us we just like we like cheese that, too much we like i like yeah, meat too much thing. it's like it's we just like cooking too like we we like cooking we like doing recipes and stuff I, obviously you can do that as a vegan but we just have so many recipes that we like that are that are meat-based I will say it's hard to do it and do this job because, you know, you eat a lot of junk food when you do this job, which I, well, I'm glad I started it when we were stuck in the house and I had more access to other foods because, you know, last year, I think the, my first year is when I mean, it was easy to, after a football game to just go to Cane's real quick, but I can't do that anymore. As, anymore. So it's, they serve pizza now at the games, at the Ohio State home games. And so I'm just sitting there watching everybody else eat because I can't. Well, yeah. what are you going to do when we go when next year when things are open again and we're going to the Mayor McCheese Bureau on a Tuesday morning before interviews and uh, you're going to you're usually like you say, usually stopping by Cane's and, and sneaking yeah. into McDonald's. I'll probably just start eating a big breakfast, honestly. But you can pack a lunch. You're allowed to pack a lunch, pack a that's, vegan. I can, but that's a lot of work. I mean, just, you know. uh. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It does seem like a lot of work, even beyond yeah. the like uh, the the taste it's a lot of yeah. work and i am whole, lazy. Food is, whole food is not cheap i found that out the hard way you know it's cheap <laughs> mcdonald's mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's i'll do it dying when you're 52 <laughs> yeah i will like it's 30 be... years of meals you don't have to pay for mm-hmm. it is gonna be less funny when i drop dead you'll be like god i can't believe we joked about that stuff I'll eat an impossible burger for Justin Fields for the playoff or whatever. Whatever the person said. When do they want it to, us to eat it? The playoff or the well, they're gonna they're gonna do it all week. They're gonna do it all Michigan week. All if, Michigan if the game is week? played. If the game's played, they're gonna go all week vegan. I'll do it one day. I'll see if does I'll see if Chili's has anything vegan on that Saturday. <laughs> and that's what I'll get. Our tort our toasts are like tortilla yeah. chips. Chips. Yeah. It just yeah, they're not vegan. Those paper thin tortilla chips and salsa. Yeah. That's vegan. Oh, that's fine. I'll just get three orders of that. Problem yeah. solved. All right. Thanks, everybody, for taking part in this. I, I hope we all worked it out a little bit. You guys are doing okay. We'll roll with it. We'll keep rolling. Nathan went through a gazillion questions. He's got them lined up. We're going to do them on the Friday pod. We'll give you our picks. We were not great last week. A lot of underdogs in the Big Ten won last week, so we'll see if we can be a little better this week with two of the games canceled. Hope the other five get played. Thanks to you guys for being a part of it. For Steven and Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.